0: This week, on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Blade Runner 2049.
1: Is this a podcast, or is it not a podcast?
2: Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction!
1: We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Good evening! Out now as a film podcast, where Amy and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other film movie topics. This is episode 301! 301!
0: What? Feels like we've done tons of episodes in between 300 and 301. <laughs> yes, I'm just so on par with how we like, do the it show. It just feels that way. I don't know why. But yeah. <laughs> but
1: this is it. This is, this is you know... Season six, we're oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: 301,
0: and
1: 301, to, t- tonight, <laughs> in honor of 301, we're discussing Blade Runner 2049, or 2049? How are we calling this? I call
0: it 2049.
1: Not Blade Runner colon 2049?
0: I think there's a colon in there. No, that?
1: there's not, right? You know, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just messing with
0: you, but still, I'm just <laughs> curious. Oh, I'm on it, I'm on it. 2049. Fair enough.
1: Okay, I'll, I can go with that. It's pretty simple. In
0: the 90s, we'd call it 2049, but we're now we're in the 21st century.
1: Mm. We're not,
0: like, 2049. <laughs> <laughs> that just make things complicated.
1: Well, I'm, really, I'm just waiting for Blade Runner 867 That I think that'll be a great that's like the next jump right i think that when they i think so when he gets that inevitable third movie because of all the money it made let's get to our guests joining us to discuss blade runner 2049 we have from the hhwlod podcast network making origami by his lonesome it's russell latham hello and from brain knows better and the psych show he's been he's just been upgraded to move around his house it's Ali Matu.
2: how's it going guys
1: good how are the two of you doing
2: not bad Not bad at all. I'm awake. Uh, I I stayed awake this time, unlike uh, last – for for your 300th extravaganza where – I woke up at 1.30 to a message from you, Aaron, that said, hey, man, are you around? It's
0: all good. It's all good. We just rained praise on you, and then we just talked crap behind your back. All right, yeah, As you a, should. Our As night of a
1: 1,000 stars <laughs> <laughs> went pretty well. But it would have, let's just do it now. Russ, what do you think of our podcast? Okay, go ahead. But no, glad to have you guys back here, of course. It's good to have you on the show. Abe and I are excited. We're at a new, fresh episode. It's been like we said. We've we've done a ton of stuff, even though yeah, we, it certainly
0: yeah. feels longer than a, than a week. It's has it been just been a week? It's been like two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Yeah, we had that. We had the mini.
1: Yeah, we had the. Let's get to it. We got some show notes stuff here. Let's get to that first. Um, yeah, we had a mini episode for American Made because we didn't want to leave you guys stranded without a Tom Cruise focused episode. Um, so yeah, Abe and I recorded a mini EP which is up now on iTunes. It was some good fun despite being somewhat of a heavy day to record on but uh yeah. got into that uh what else the horror special speaking of bonus episodes um it's october which means every year uh, we've been doing the special bonus episodes focused on the horror genre and so far we've had we actually by the time you're hearing this both will be both are up we have two so far first is on horror adaptations the second one's uh filmmaker spotlight on uh george ray romero and toby hooper um, and we have another one coming, too. It's a comment, It's our, this month's commentary track, actually, for uh, Child's Play, the original Child's Play. Um, so, yeah, we uh, have tons of these bonus episodes. Brandon Peters and Jimmy O have been uh, happy to join Abe and myself for uh, these episodes. are a lot of fun to do, a lot of fun to put together. And uh, you guys apparently like them quite a bit because we, uh, we asked about those. Uh, on our yeah, yeah, we get great <laughs> so,
0: positive feedback about it. Yeah, so <laughs> we're uh, happy to keep
1: doing them. And, of course, there's also, like, three other years there's what's that's Fifteen episodes, so there's about thirty hours of horror content previously as well. So you, I think I added up there wrong. Sorry, forty-five. <laughs> so it's all. Do your there's a lot. It's forty-five <laughs> hours. Okay, I'm sorry.
3: There's
1: a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, what else? What else do we do? As we met, as Russell alluded to, we did have our three-inch episode. If you haven't listened to that already, it's two parts of just pure amazement, non-stop <laughs> yes. fundraising fun. Mm-hmm uh super cool stuff glad to get a lot of you guys on including ali a lot of a lot of guests on there a lot of listener feedback as well so that was good if you haven't checked that out already all of that's on itunes with just a whole package deal you don't have to buy it you can just go on itunes and be like i want this and they'll be like here take it and you download it and you have it like it's that simple Speaking of which, that's how you do a segue. <laughs> <laughs> iTunes and slick Ratings. <laughs> really to for iTunes, I'm iTunes Reviews this. and Ratings are great to get. <laughs> if you like all the free content you're getting from our show through iTunes, why not go to iTunes the other part of it where you're like, you know what? This show I downloaded a bunch of stuff from, I could also I could give back in some way. How? I could give a star rating or even a written review of some kind. It'd be great. It would pump us up in the old charts. You you'd feel good because you did a mitzvah, and everybody would be like, "Wow, we should pat each other on the back." Because somebody wanted to give us a review, it'd be great. You can't see it, but I'm patting myself on the back. Yeah, <laughs> after three hundred, the pats come easy. Yes, that's a shirt that I'm making out and out there in a After three hundred, the pats TM? come easy. Yes, exactly. It's PT, of course.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, let um.
1: <laughs> um... This is such a silly movie. That's why I've been a Silly Mood, right? So that we'll just we'll get into it.
3: <laughs> um,
1: the silliest of movies. Silliest, That's exactly movies. how I feel. Exa- yeah, exactly. Uh, let's let's get to know everybody. Reach, will ask each other a question or two on the podcast. Try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to know everybody. Hello,
3: everybody.
2: Hey, yeah! <laughs>
4: interaction! Hey, man, after 300 episodes. I'm,
3: I'm pretty <laughs> good at that. It. That was great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to start this off. Right. What... Beyond Blade Runner, because the the original 82, Blade Runner, uh, which famously flopped in theaters, do you have a favorite movie that flopped in theaters originally?
0: Favorite movie that flopped in theaters? Or at
1: least one that you really, really like that you can think of that flopped in theaters. Yeah, John Carter. Okay.
4: Man. Um, I've got, like, a favorite movie that flopped that I, I like to hate on. I don't know if that counts, but the Wing Commander movie. <laughs>
0: oh. Wow. Matthew Lillard's Wing Commander? <laughs>
4: right, right. It's a Freddie Prinze Jr.'s Wing Commander. <laughs> I think, like, 90% of the box office revenue was people just going to see that to see the Phantom Menace trailer. Um, oh,
3: But, yeah,
2: that would be my
0: favorite. Uh then.
2: <laughs> uh, Probably Highlander.
0: There you go. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: You have one
1: error. Uh, I'm trying to think of one that really flopped like hard that I like quite a bit. Because um, like, there's I'm thinking of uh, Speed Racer. What am I talking about? There we go. Speed Racer.
0: I love
3: oh, Speed <laughs> Racer. <laughs> it's
0: like
3: I'd under, also uh, I'd also else like
0: there. to add Rush 2013.
1: Well, Rush. I mean, it underperformed. 26
0: million total gross.
1: That's that's just domestic. That's not worldwide.
0: Worldwide is 90 million. Yeah. It's not, a, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not a costly. It's not, not terrible. It's but, not terrible, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not. Yeah. People should go see it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I got a question for you guys. What kind of origami animal would you want, uh, to be able to make? Ooh. I can make a penguin. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So how many folds is that? Is that like seven folds,
1: though? It's not the most complicated of animals, but it's still, right. I mean, I don't not have origami penguins. <laughs>
0: that's, that's better than what I can make. <laughs> okay, then.
4: That must look nice on that black and white origami paper. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
0: nice. That's why it works so well.
4: Nice. Uh, I, I, My first thought was a dolphin? I, I don't know I how can't... you... Yeah, I mean, are aquatic animals like origami friendly? Do do people do? I was gonna ask, does it have a stand? Dragons,
0: I think you can make a dolphin. I think think that works. out. But does that dolphin just end up looking like a shark or any other any other (laughs) (laughs) mammal? Not not if you not
1: if you fold the nose to make it a
0: bottlenose dolphin. Ah, with a giant smile on it. Got it.
4: Well, and does it look like a beach dolphin, or do do you like need to prop it up? Like that's what I
0: was wondering. Yeah, maybe does it does it have a stand so it shows that it's like (laughs) right. well, beautifully you, splashing out you, of the water. You, you
1: put see-through blue paper around the dolphin, so Oh, oh it's nice. diorama. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very good. <laughs> this see, it's more complicated now. Do the... you
2: have one, Russ? I will say a kangaroo. I very don't nice. know why, but just the thought of a origami kangaroo just makes me smile. Does it have a pouch and a joey? Of course.
0: Oh,
1: two for one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Come on now. Some, I'm sure yeah.
1: somewhere Edward James almost smile just lit up right there. he just, he just had a, a gut feeling. Was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I finally topped the calculus. That's what he says when he has successes. He, refer- he I references- finally topped
0: the calculus. Yeah,
1: he references standard liver. He goes all back to High <laughs> Yes, it's all it's all he talks about.
3: <laughs> it's
0: all he talks about.
1: If I was at like some like convention and I saw him, I'd only want to talk to him about standard liver.
0: I mean, that's a really good movie. It is, but everybody else but would be all like Battlestar and I'd be like, no, I want to talk about Mr. Is. Escalante. I want to know <laughs> but, how you did all that math on his fingers and why why uh, the straws are or I, the chips are too I don't know if he still talks to Lou Diamond Phillips. Probably, probably about calculus. <laughs> but A-B he would calculus.
2: only respond to you in that street speak from the first Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. so it'd be no. very
4: confusing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I,
4: did, I did meet him at a convention and I talked to him about how much I love Battlestar and how I um, I use it in uh, a lot of the work I do, and then he he gave me his autograph and in a Adama voice. He said, "Here, now go put that in your classroom." <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I think he only talks in character. I, 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 that's what he does. That's
0: fantastic. <laughs> we should get
1: about this podcast. Although you got connections. We're doing to do this. Let's get, let's get <laughs> <under> James of <Olden.
0: laughs> We should randomly. Uh, he's going to randomly do it. And we'll just have a guessing game out of it. Which character he's playing.
3: Right.
1: <laughs> that will be our hook for our show from now on. We'll play the Edward Featuring James Olmos. Featuring new Almos Edward James Olmos. <laughs> what if we got him as like a like a like our like our band leader? It'd just be Edward James Olmos.
0: We'll just like yeah, we'll cut to him ever so often mm-hmm. whenever we need a break. That's when, That's when we it. start filming out now, of
1: course. That's
0: that'll that, be... that, We'll get to that in the questions part.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. I think that's the tone is certainly set. That's how you play. No everybody. everybody. Usually Abe chimes
0: in at some point in there.
1: I did. I didn't hear you. I heard all oh. I didn't hear you.
0: Mike <laughs> <laughs> probably didn't catch it. All right. No everybody.
1: Good synced up. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> let's. This movie is silly, guys. Apparently.
0: <laughs> let's uh, let's
1: get out to no cookies. Yep. Each one out now. we a movie the week. To about we
0: Yep,
1: still got it. Three hundred to one. Still got it. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. And AM, I didn't think you c- had lost it. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I haven't seen any other movies this week, but I did watch uh, season four of BoJack Horseman. And while I think it starts out a little slow, I think it ends up pretty, pretty strong. I mean, in comparison to the other past three seasons, perhaps not the strongest, but certainly gives you those emotional gut wrenches. That penultimate episode is one that it just. Felt so bad for Bojack's mom, and uh, it it certainly you know gets back to the uh, the seriousness of the, uh, the 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 emotional turns that the show can take. Uh, but uh, if you're into Bojack Horseman, you can certainly watch it. I think there's also some really like there's the there's the um, the whole entire Mr. Peanut Veteran for California Governor, which is a parallel to what's going on now. And then you also have uh, thoughts and prayers an episode where it's also pretty relevant and there's no way they could have thought of that but
1: i I love the idea that people that don't watch bojack horseman probably at least know it's a cartoon show about a talking horse and you're talking about emotional turmoil and relevant social commentary and whatnot
0: right yeah (laughs) in 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 terms of like yeah a a talking human horse horse annoyed i don't know what you would call it horse That's what that's how Will Arnett addresses it when he's in interviews. Yeah, so I play a
3: a, a horse annoyed. I'm horse.
0: Annoyed. Uh, but yeah, no. Season four again uh, it starts out all right, but then it ends up stronger. And also the episode with the tide is uh, it's pretty good too. So I, um, I
1: I agree with you, and I actually think as a season as a whole, I think it's better than the previous season. I, I think it because like it's, it's turning some new corners. I feel like the first three seasons, three seasons into it, was kind of like all right, I, I get it, uh, but now it's like okay, this is actually taking as a character arc for like a a series of se- like a number of seasons which this seems to be keeping going i i like the direction it's heading now so
0: it's- me too yeah i think it's heading toward hopefully towards some closure or well, there's some
1: optimism i think yeah. at the end and, of the
0: uh, seasons it's um, been
2: renewed for season 5 so there you
0: go
1: it's quite popular yeah uh russ how about you what if, what other movies have you seen recently
2: um i haven't been to the i mean other than obviously see blade runner i haven't actually been to the movies to see anything but i did watch last night on HBO, the Spielberg documentary. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I, I thought it was good, but I don't feel like I learned anything really new uh, at all. It just it just was kind of like, let's just walk down memory lane of everything, you know, all of you know, kind of Steven Spielberg's career highlights and talk a little bit about his personal life. So it it was okay. I assume um,
1: it, I assume it puts a lot of emphasis on Sugarland Express, 1941. And, um, always of course. Right. (laughs) Yep. yep, You know, funny you
2: mentioned that.
0: That's how everyone knows Spielberg.
2: Yeah. They did put uh, quite a bit of emphasis on, uh, Sugarland express and 1941. Yeah. Um, actually that kind of makes sense. First
1: film in the big flop. Like that. Uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, he, he really goes into like 1941, like, you know, takes a lot of ownership on it, you know, how he responded critically, you know, to it. Um, it's, you know, there's some pretty good interviews from people, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's worth watching, but but like I said, I didn't really feel like I found anything new. Um, okay. And then, like we were mentioning before, Halt and Catch Fire, which is the fourth season, final season, uh, and it's been tremendous. Uh, it's it's kind of like the little show that could, mm-hmm. and uh, AMC stuck with it, and it just kind of hits all the... I mean, being having worked in the tech industry now for over 20 years, uh, and just kind of having having seen all of the, you know lived all of this uh it's kind of interesting to have that be the backdrop and and the story really be about the people uh and the characters i'm just uh,
0: bummed that they didn't have like an exclamation mark after halt
2: yeah and oh, catch oh. fire yeah um and then the only the only other thing i'd really call out uh that i've watched and in this is more just kind of a recent thing. Is the Ken Burns the Vietnam War documentary? Oh yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe it's it's definitely at minimum probably my second favorite thing ever put on television, um, and quite possibly could. I mean, I've always said Band of Brothers is like the best thing ever put on television, uh, and this comes very close. For me, I mean, for me, it's a very personal um, viewing experience uh, for, for me. Um, but it's it's just so well done, and a lot of it has to do with the music, both the licensed music and the original music uh, that they did for it, uh, and just the stories and the history, uh, and just kind of uh, giving so much attention to detail for this thing. It it it, it, it just was phenomenal.
1: I'm, I'm surprised Ken Burns hasn't already made a Vietnam war documentary but at the same time i'm certainly happy that he, he has all the abilities that he has already to make what seems to be kind of the the ultimate VLOM on war documentary yeah so.
0: yeah, yeah. Other, are you watching uh the the um the one on pbs or are you watching the the explicit one online or how are you watching it
2: uh i watched it uh, just on pbs okay. yeah i
0: just um, curious, because I think they have like the explicit one online, and that stuff's pretty good too. So I've only seen the first episode so of it.
4: So
3: the is explicit just, is one it just is it's
0: just—it's just like more language and and uh, graphic photos. Okay, cause it's not they... that explicit though. No, like there's no, like, not like at all. I mean, It's a documentary. So, yeah. yeah, it's. Yeah.
4: I think it's probably mostly the uh, the war photos that are probably yeah. the explicit
2: element yeah, it. It's the
1: nature of like here's PBS versus we can't quite show everything as far as yeah
2: like, and. Right? Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot they shied away from, at least on the PBS version. I mean, they bleeped out, you know, the F-bombs and some of the some of the, you know, more harsher language. But I mean, you know, the the hard footage and photography, you know, that that we've all seen over the years, um, they didn't shy away from that, at least on the PBS version. But uh, but yeah, uh, that's interesting. I'll probably I'll probably end up going going back and and rewatching it that way. Then
1: how many parts is it?
2: It's 10. It's yeah, 10 parts. Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay. And I think it's 18 hours total. Because <laughs> some of them are two hours long, and some of them are hour and a half. Um, and honestly, I mean, if that thing was 15 parts, I, I feel like it would have just captivated me just as much. Yeah. It, it's just um, It's just one of those viewing experiences. I, I think I'll always I, – I think it's one of those things I will go back and watch uh, uh, somewhat regularly for the rest of my life. Well,
4: that's great. It's, it's Kind of amazing, Russ. You're talking about these two very prolific filmmakers. Like I watched the Steven Spielberg documentary too, and I feel exactly like you do. Like it's it's a great collection of like greatest hit clips combined with some history, uh, or some history of um, uh, historical interviews with Steven Spielberg. But what's what's interesting? I was just thinking about as as you were mentioning this, both Spielberg had. And Ken Burns have been so pro- prolific. Spielberg had multiple years where he had two films coming out the same year, and um, Ken Burns, I mean, producing this or creating this documentary when he's done so many others in the same amount of time. I think he said he's
2: been working on this for like the last ten years, doing
3: all yeah, the you historical
2: could, research. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, you could, you could tell some of the some of the folks that they interview um, look um somewhat younger than they do like now like i mean i know mm-hmm. some of the, some of those some of those people i've seen <clears throat> you know more current photos of and and just even some of them looking at them it's like okay that does not look like somebody that's you know when you do the math in your head it's like that's not a 75 year old woman uh
3: right mm-hmm. um
2: so yeah so you could tell this has been something that's that's going on for a long time it's uh it uh it, it, it you not to get too personal but uh my dad was a, a vietnam combat vet um so so, kind of watching this. It's it's a shame he didn't he didn't live long enough to see it, um. But uh, so so it's it kind of meant a lot to me to to be able to watch it and just kind of see what uh, uh to kind of get get more of a story of what was going on over there. So
1: oh, that's very cool. Cool. Yeah. Ali, any uh anything else you've been watching lately?
4: Yeah. Well, I rewatched uh, the original Blade Runner to prep for the new film. Heard of it. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> um Blade Runner without any date. There's no year. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's hard Bla- to know Blade like when we can't, like, when we, does we, it take place? We can't know? retroactively
1: call it a Blade Runner 2019. That's
4: not what we do. <laughs> you could. You could, but that might be the film that comes out in 2019. You know, hmm. like, maybe they're going to mess with us. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so better. I know that.
3: <laughs>
4: um And then um, there's a lot of stuff I missed in July. That was when my daughter was born. So there's a, just a ton of stuff. Heard of her. Yeah, she's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you would cool her. Two thumbs deep. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but The Big Sick, um, I just watched that. Oh. Um uh, a few days ago that was one of the ones i missed and um really enjoyed it i thought it was a um uh just like a, a love story that's a little bit different than what you usually see and it's um a, a little fictional autobiographical story i i loved it i enjoyed it recommend it
1: we are big fans of this podcast of so the big Six. yeah thanks um thanks. I have a lot of things to go through, so I'm going to do it quick because this is out now. Quickies.
3: Um,
1: yep. First up, the new releases. I saw the mountain between us. This is with Idris Elba and Kate Winslet. It's all right, um, as in not very good. Um, I think this <laughs> I mean, well, I think. What, yeah. well, what, a, what a
0: great way to pull the rug out from underneath
1: me. I'll put it this way: I think you get what you pay for going to see this movie. It's just not a very good movie. That Kate
0: Winslet with you her accent. There's
1: no problem. <laughs> the actors are fine. They sell the story, um, and the survival story aspect is good. It's the romantic angle which just is like just not well written. Um, okay. So there's that. Uh, Lucky, this is the final film of them. Uh, with harry dean stanton also the final film in the logan lucky trilogy which consists of logan logan lucky and lucky of <laughs> course
3: um
1: i really that's li- an
2: awesome trip back then
1: <laughs> i uh, really like this movie uh, harry dean stanton's excellent in it david lynch has a supporting role in it and he's both hilarious as well as kind of has a has some really poignant moments in his dialogue uh, there's a lot of good people in it it's from it's directed by character actor john carol lynch um, who has chosen a lot of okay. promise as a director? Um, it feels very much like a, well, kind of Lynchian, very, a lot of Jarmusch in there. Uh, yep. But I like this movie quite a bit, lucky. Um, if you can find it, see it. Um, let's see. On Netflix, Gerald's game.
0: Um,
3: oh, it's- yeah. I'll get to a
0: Jerry's game.
1: Yes, yes, it's a callback to It's a sequel to the Pixar animated short, mm-hmm. Jerry's. Yeah, yeah. uh, it has what's her name? Uh, Carla Gugino and Bruce Greenwood. It's based off a Stephen King book. It is the only good Stephen King adaptation I've seen this year. Moving on. Um, <laughs> 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 um, I was at the San Diego Film Festival with my lovely girlfriend this weekend, and so I was able to see a number of films there. I'm not going to go too far into each of these, but. Um, there were some notable things. We got to see a series of short films, animated short films, of one of which was called Greenlight, which ended up winning Best Animated Short at the film festival. Uh, quite good. Um, I look forward to sharing more about it if I give a chance to. But there's a lot of good shorts in there. Okay. Um, I saw a documentary called Apache Warrior, um, which mm. also which also won Best Military Film at the San Diego mm. Film Festival. Um, I was excited for this one because I knew Anna would be excited for it. It is about a squadron of Apache helicopters that got into a kind of disastrous situation in the 2000s, um, and it's it uses the actual uh, footage from the the helicopters, mixed of like um, archival photos and whatnot, to kind of tell the story of what went wrong and
3: mm-hmm.
1: what what happened in general. But it's pretty neat just to kind of learn about Apache helicopters in general, but also see a situation like this play out. Okay. Um, What else? I saw Marshall, but we can talk more about that next week. That's the Theragode Marshall film with Chadwick Boseman. Um, I saw Killing Gunther. This is the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger Taron Killam um, mockumentary. Not great. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) lover. Oh, oh, man, that could be so much fun. Arnold, (laughs) Arnold is great in it, but he comes in at the last 15 minutes of the movie. Um, and the stuff around it, which involves a gang of assassins trying to kill a world famous assassin known as Gunther, um, Taron Killam, Bobby Moynihan, and a bunch of other funny people. Um, it, it, the premise is really good, but it just doesn't quite fill the time it takes to get to Arnold stuff. Mm. Um, so it's just kind of, there's a lot in between, um, with not enough laughs or creativity going on, even though it has a really good idea at its center. Um, <laughs> but good on Taron Killam. He wrote, and directed the movie, put it all together, so. Uh, we'll see where he goes from there. Uh, lastly, I saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. This is jealous. The new, this is the new Martin McDonough film starring Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, and a bunch of other people, including Carol- Caleb Landry Jones, who keeps a shirt on this movie,
0: Abe. So I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, he, he does it look like he deserves a punch in the face?
1: Uh, kind of, but he's also, he's not as slimy. He's, he's relatively a good guy in this movie. Uh, regardless, this, this is from Mark Madonna, director of In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, two movies I like a lot, and this one was no different. I also like this movie a lot, and I'm okay. not sure if we'll get a full episode on it, so I'll just say now, it's, it's easily on my top ten of the year so far, but I really like this movie. Um, and if you like those movies I mentioned, or just really dark comedies with those actors that I presented to you, then you will probably like this movie. Um, okay, so that was a San Diego film. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, a lot of good stuff on it. I had a great time. It was neat to see. So, Okay, that was on quickies. Jim? Let's move on now, guys. Let's get to our trailer talk for Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, sorry, colon, Uprising. Thank uh, you. This, <laughs> this trailer premiered at, I believe, New York Comic Con this past week. Um, It is the sequel to Pacific Rim, obviously, that was directed by Guillermo del Toro. This film was directed by Stephen S. DeKnight, he who is responsible as showrunner for the Spartacus series on Stars, as well as the first season of Daredevil. This is his directorial debut. Um, Let's see, it stars uh, John Boyega in the lead this time around brings back some of the characters from the original as well as some new ones, including everybody's favorite Scott Eastwood. Um, we can't, can't stop talking about Scott Eastwood, right? He's almost like he's not in movies because he blends in so well. That's as great as an actor, um, but yeah, Boyega stars as uh, Idris Elba's uh, stacker Pentecost's son, Jake Pentecost. Um, and apparently there are still kaiju out there. So we still need Jaegers to fight them. Yeah. Let's start start off with us. What do you think of the trailer for Pacific Rim: Uprising?
2: Uh, I thought it was good. I I uh, I liked the first movie quite a bit, uh, so I was pretty excited that it's getting a sequel. Uh, I mean, anytime you have giant anything fighting giant anything, I think that's <laughs> that's a good combination. So uh, I like John Boyega. So uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I it just it just looks kind of more of the same to me. Which that's not a that's not a criticism. That's uh, that's kind of what I expected. So.
1: Right. Ali, how about you?
4: Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I started grinning when I heard that, uh, the rock anthem. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the first movie was just so much joy for me. It was so much fun. Um, it, it really got that genre right um and you compare that to another movie with big things uh, battling each other like something like Transformers which doesn't really have the joy the original had a lot of joy for me and the trailer captured a lot of that so i i was smiling I- i'm i'm excited to see this
0: yep. I wasn't a huge fan of the first movie, um, but uh, I was watching this trailer and I was getting into it, especially when that Tupac song kicks I th- in. I thought you would. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it was it was going, and everyone's doing battle and then Scott Eastwood shows up and I was like, oh man, Scott Eastwood's here. And then uh, the trailer ends up and I was like, oh, wait, what are those guys fighting each other? You know, that was kind of an interesting little uh, cut scene there with uh, the Jaegers fighting Jaegers. I was like, what's going on here? Is this uh, some sort of, like, internal fight that they're going to have? So I'm excited for it. It does look, you know, louder, more bombastic. But, hey, at least John Boyega gets to use his uh, actual accent.
3: Yeah, right? It's a change of pace. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) You know me, Abe. I've been on the Boyega train since Attack the Block. So it's like every
0: time I see him succeeding
1: in some way, I'm like, yeah, good for him. (laughs) Gets all these sci-fi movies now. And it's. You know me, I I, I really like the first movie a lot. I was I thought it was a ton of fun for what it's trying to do. Not Nothing too complicated, just a lot of kind of, let's Guillermo del Toro put out a lot of geek energy in this degree. And this mm. seems to be following that footsteps, even though he's only producing this time around. Um, I, I think it still seems to have the kind of look and feel of the original. I like there's a lot of daytime action here. I think we did criticize mm. the first movie for having a lot of rain action, a lot of kind yeah. of like nighttime and rainy, and even the underwater final beat, which you know kind of takes away the scale so therefore it's not as exciting this Mm one it's like a lot of giant things in cities in daylight fighting other giant things i mean so that's that's promising right there i tend to get a little dismayed when i you know see dark action scenes because, like okay that means they're saving money and it's going to not look as great as it could but here you go like match it's kind of matching up to transformers which regardless of the quality of those movies those are a lot of daytime action sequences in those movies that you know use the effects quite well yeah um I, I can hope that this, you know, given that it's a sequel um, and the first story is basically just like Top Gun with robots, I can only hope that the story this time around has something a little different going on in it. But even if it's just a bunch of, you know, bigger kaiju versus more Jaeger, I'm all for that. So, uh, yeah, I am totally looking forward to Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, if, if if there's a franchise, if there's a movie that I was hoping would get some kind of franchise out of it, this is this is one that I was, I was hoping for. It's, it's certainly it's a movie that you know generates toys that i'm actually interested in having so i think that's, <laughs> that, that's that means something good i'm good i think guess, that's got that's something really going it. for it yeah. i'm going for it right
0: yeah.
1: so uh, pacific room uprise colon uprising opens march 23rd next year so we'll uh we'll, 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 we'll talk about it again then so all right I've been moving quickly, because we got to get to this big movie now. we got this big movie that did not do well this weekend. We'll get to that in a second. Let's get to our our main review for Blade Runner 2049.
3: Replicants are the future, but I can only make like so many. I had the luck, and he has the key. I think I found him. That's not possible. If this gets out... We've bought ourselves a war. You're a cop. I had your job once. Things were simpler then. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. What happened? I covered my tracks. Scrambled the records. We were being hunted. By who?
1: That should have been some of the trailer for Blade Runner 2049. 35 years ago, Ridley Scott directed a sci-fi film that flopped despite starring one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Still, that film went on to grow a legacy, influencing many filmmakers along the way. Now, while Scott has tried to explore sequel ideas in his Alien franchise, because why not, Denis Villeneuve has come along with an actual sequel that moves up the timeline 30 years and follows Ryan Gosling's Detective K. I'm going to get into this pretty quickly here because we find this out almost immediately. Kay is a replicant. I'm going to go right there right now. What? Sorry. Ryan Gosling's character is a replicant. He is a replicant Blade blade Runner, um, basically a machine who hunts machines, um, and he discovers a secret involving replicants that could change the world and is tasked with investigating various connections. This sparks interest in the Wallace Company, led by Bond Jared Leto, but more importantly, Kay finds himself coming closer and closer to reaching Rick Deckard, a former Blade Runner, who has been in hiding. Ali, what do you think of the original Blade Runner, and what did you think of this film?
4: Well, I, I grew up on the original Blade Runner and uh, just much the same way as I felt with uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey as a kid. Um, I thought it was visually just spectacular. I would love to just like watch that film. And now, as an adult, um, I don't think the original Blade Runner is as sacred as something like 2001 a space odyssey i I think it has its problems um as particularly the the characters um besides the villains i don't think they're really that interesting but what's always been more interesting to me about blade runner is um some of the big ideas that come out of it um i think there's there's something of a gestalt to the film there's something more um than uh, the pieces the sum is greater than the pieces um so i mean that's i i didn't have like massive expectations coming into this i just kind of wanted it to tap into some of the same kind of themes and just kind of expand on them and spoiler alert that's what i think it did um
3: okay uh,
4: no, no Just I was shut it, down it, that conversation. No, it cool. sounded like
1: that was a comma, um, <laughs> but, <it's, laughs> but not a period. But it's okay because we'll we'll keep talking about it. Let's get some general <laughs> thoughts out of the way, though. Russ, uh, same question. I, I I believe you're a fan, but how, how big of a fan I, are you? The figure original?
2: I am. Uh, so the, the first one is probably if I on my list of I would say top twenty five films. I, I and a lot of it is um is more the visual than anything else. Um, And some of it is some of the kind of higher concepts that the movie touches on, but doesn't overtly tell you, you know, one, one way or the other, you know, how it's leaning or, or what it, what it's meaning. And so um, the film has had many iterations in the past 35 years. Uh, I, I personally think the final cut is the best. Um, And I, I, tease you all the time, Aaron, but um, I think, so Blade Runner recently came out on 4k UHD and if there's ever been a movie that would compel someone to buy the equipment, uh, it's the four, it's the final cut 4k version of Blade Runner. It's, uh, you watch that movie and you're, you would think they filmed it yesterday. Um, it's, it's immaculate, uh, and it, it looks fantastic. Um, and, and so going into this one, uh, and I, I just, it's, I've, So I don't know, I've probably seen that movie a couple dozen, few dozen times in the past 35 years, um, you know, since it's since it's been released. And uh, I I had pretty high expectations for this going in. And I really hope that it would uh, kind of adhere a little more closely to the first one. And it and it seems like some of the things that just kind of put all its stuff out on the table and said, okay, this is what this is. And laid it all bare. And then I think other things it, it just kind of like touched on but, but, but then walked away from. Uh, and I think it tried to be too grand in scope. When you, when you look at the original Blade Runner, the, the scope of both the movie itself and, and the, the physical location of the movie are pretty narrow. Uh, And I think maybe the one criticism I have of this one is it tried to be too much, Uh, tried to be maybe a little too grand and too expansive. Um, And I'm a huge fan of long movies. I love a long movie, Uh, but I think they could have easily clipped probably 30 minutes out of this flick.
1: All right. Abe, what say you?
0: What say you? And then the and then they the the ghosts uh, decided to go help Aragorn. So that's that's what happens in Return of the King. With what say you? Uh, with all that being said, though, uh, Blade Runner, the one with Harrison Ford back in the day, directed by Ridley's Scott, I enjoyed it. I have I don't know if I've ever really seen the director's version. Um, if I'm saying that, I guess I haven't. So well, it's uh, easy to tell. One has narration. Is, was there narration? The or dozens. No narration. <laughs> Uh, probably no narration. So I you guess I'm missing out on everything that life has to offer. No, uh, that's no,
1: the theatrical cut that's has the good, narration. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, to, that...
1: to, to clarify real quick for anyone that doesn't know, the as far as the versions of that film go, if you're there, the theatrical cut has the narration and it has a different ending. Um, mm-hmm. Every other version that follows that, minus I think the European cut, whatever that is, um, basically is the same as the final cut. The final cuts, it's more of kind of, Enhancing some effects or whatnot, do a little editing things here or there, but they're all more or less the same kind of. The director's cut and the versions after it are more or less the the same. The final cut's ideal just because it looks the best. Um, mm. But as long as you're not watching the theatrical cut, you're basically getting the kind of preferred experience for most oh, fans. Okay,
0: yeah, I think I've seen a preferred experience mode, but maybe not the director's cut. But I enjoy it. I, I think I like the the ideas and the concepts in it as well. Uh, and then moving into Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I like it. I agree with the rest that it can be a little long, but um, and there might be some portions that you kind of could have cut out. Maybe they just ran slower because there's the the great mystery detail that really keeps me going and really uh, keeps my intrigue up. But I like it for, again, the ideas that it's presenting as well. I mean, I I don't know if it uh, necessarily goes grander in scope, uh, but I think that there's still ideas behind um, uh, you know, how does a replicant know that it's a human uh, or whatever the case is i think there's like really unique things there and i as you go along in the movie and again we mentioned that Ryan, Ryan Gosling is a replicant um you kind of I, I felt pretty uh, kind of i felt i felt kind of bummed out for him and i i just uh for for me to feel that way about i guess somebody who is considered a machine is just uh, it's it's kind of a weird concept but um I kind of knew that there was uh, something that wasn't going to be true in the movie. And I was like, that'd be too easy of an out. So I, I disregarded that. I know, what you, that. I
2: know exactly what you mean. Yeah. 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 Right.
0: But uh, with that being said, there was, there's other elements to Ryan Gosling's agent K or detective, detective K's character that I was just like, Oh, well, you know what, you know, he's going through these range of emotions and whatever else too. Um, so it's it kind of, it kind of hurt me a little bit at, at one of the scenes later on where, um, you know, he loses something of great value to him. And I was like, oh, this is this is like the worst feeling I've had in a movie in, in uh, a few years. So uh, on the whole, though, I think it's uh, technically really well done. And I think that there's uh, some ideas here that. I'm glad that they didn't touch upon, namely a revolution type idea uh, that they didn't really have to go deep into, and I'm glad that they didn't. Uh, But uh, it's a solid follow up, man. Like, Denny Villeneuve is one of the best directors working today.
1: Um, If you want to hear my thoughts on the original Blade Runner, we have a whole commentary track that's on iTunes right now where Brandon, myself, uh, who else is on there? Um, Jim, and Abe, were you on there? No, you weren't on there. I don't think so. Uh, We all, yeah, we went into the the film in detail but i mean suffice it to say i really love the first blade runner i am a big fan of it it was a film that given that i watched it for the first time when i was younger and then kind of watched it more as i grew up it, it it took like a couple tries to be like okay this is like really something masterful because i think that movie is it's not one that's necessarily something you right away be like okay yeah this is beyond like the kind of aesthetic value and maybe some thematic ideas it's a it's a different sort of movie it has it has some ideas going on and things that don't play necessarily to convention unless you're really into hard-boiled noir but you know if you're watching a sci-fi movie and you see a movie like that it's like that's yeah that seems more like advanced studies type sci-fi compared to (laughs) certain other films um that is all to say that this film for me very much felt it felt in line with um with the original blade runner 2049 i um Abe, you know i've been kind of skeptical about the idea of 2049 I, i've been very curious as to what new it would have to offer uh-huh. given that I, and even ali you were on the our ghost in the shell podcast where yeah we got into the idea of like okay that move for that for that movie for Real ghost in the Shell, we were all like well it looks nice but what is it saying that's new that hasn't been explored in the past 20 years involving ai um and that's been my concern with this movie what what since 1982 and all the movies that we've had talking about robots machines what it is to be a machine what have you what is a sequel to blade runner really going to have to say when that film kind of felt like it wrapped up everything in its first movie and that i'm not going to say it presented me with like new grandiose ideas that i can't stop thinking about but at the same time i'm way more impressed with 2049 than i expected it to be i right. think it's really good um it, it's a very strong film that plays much like the original did it's very slow and plotting not in a way that's bad necessarily but certainly a very deliberate pace has been utilized mm-hmm. to tell this story the story by the way is very thin <laughs> I mean I think <laughs> the, much like the original yeah the I think the you could be Warner Brothers has been very and everybody involved has been very secretive about the camp you know the marketing for this movie as far as what it's exactly about and whatnot but if you really break down the kind of story beats, there's not much here. There's not There's not a lot there, which I say that in a positive way because that means Villeneuve and Deacons and everybody else that worked on this thing really strived hard to make, you know, kind of an experience to watch. And that's yeah. really what this film feels like and why I like it so much. I think it's beyond just kind of the detective story going on here, which is, again, pretty simplistic. I think the ideas it's presenting and how it's presenting them really works well. It's it feels like a continuation on ideas that were brought up in the original Blade Runner, but at the same time, there were some new wrinkles that I was impressed with. I think there's a there's an interesting uh, uh, regard for religion involving replicants that I think you can delve into if if you so wanted to, and there's some ideas involving Gosling's character that I wouldn't have considered before. He has a, for example, he he has a companion in this film who is not real. She is a she is a hologram, um, played by
2: um, what's her name? Anna uh, Armas. Yeah. Armas.
1: Yeah. I'm on the Pacific Rim. I'm like, why is he not in the cast? I'm on the Pacific <laughs> Rim. <laughs> <page. laughs> Where's like, John
4: Boyega? I don't uh, know. <laughs> and there
1: and there's a there's a relationship between the two where it's like, okay, this is a replicant that's in in love of a replicant of another human. It's replicating in love with a product essentially, and it's like, okay, so how does that work? And it just it's it has little things like that that felt involving. I was I was interested in how the like the daily life of this character who we very much know as replicants works as opposed to, you know, having a more mysterious character. Um, I mean the original a number of mysterious characters one. Regardless, there are things here that I I was impressed by more than I was expecting. I, I think the beyond just looking great, which I think you can walk into this movie knowing that that was going to be the case already. I think there is a number of ways it presented itself that gave me more to chew on than just you know, rechewing on the same stuff that you've. Been, I'm going to keep saying chew, chewing on for the past um, <laughs> 35 years since Blade Runner came out, and um, yeah, no, I, I, I think there's there's a lot here to unpack. But I was I was more I was more impressed than I was expecting.
4: I, I feel so much the same way. You know what, what's what's interesting to me. Uh, there, well, there's a lot of interesting things about the original Blade Runner. But if you look at when that came out in uh, 1982, and you look at the other science fiction that came out around it, um, I think. Uh, Return of the Jedi was 83, Empire Stripe, Strikes Back was a few years before, Star, Trek, Wrath, Star Trek, Tron, film, right? Tron a... <laughs> Wrath of Khan, um, E.T., you know Blade Runner was so different than all of those films uh visually thematically uh the mashup of the film noir and and science fiction and that's one of the things I love so much about it it's just such a different weird funky experience and the story doesn't really it's not the story that's interesting it's the ideas that come out of it and the experience of watching it and I feel so much the same way about Blade Runner 2049 maybe 2049 is a little bit lighter of a version the ideas I don't chew on as much and it's not as different Um, it doesn't make that big splash probably because every science fiction film has tried to copy the film noir aesthetic of or all the cyberpunk films have tried to copy the aesthetic of Blade Runner um, the original but it does feel so different than a lot of the sci-fi we've seen um, particularly in the pacing and how this movie takes its sweet time and really lets you just experience uh, the cinematography. Uh, For all those reasons, I really love it as an experience. I think there's a lot of things we can poke around in it, and I I think there are some new ideas here that are taking what um, the original film did with ideas about memory and how important memory is to to be to be alive and whether or not these replicants are are human or are are alive based on having these implanted memories this new film i think goes in a few different directions and it it talks so much more about um emotion Mm -hmm. and um that it doesn't necessarily matter if your memories are synthetic or not it's really how we feel um so i think there's some you know you could tie that into like I think there's some parallels with social media, digital technology, how information is everywhere. But are we actually experiencing it? Are we feeling it? Um, And then, as you were mentioning, Aaron, the character played by Ana de Armos, um, there's some interesting stuff there that we can talk about with like AI and how AI is now uh, an impending part of our life. So for those all of those reasons, I, I mostly really like this film.
1: I wonder, little, uh, I, I'll, I'll let me mention one thing real quick yeah the so the film much i mean Villeneuve was apparently so dedicated to the original blade runner that he wanted to make sure it cost too much so that when it made a little money this weekend it was <laughs> yeah. right yeah. the um this film opened to he 30, did a great job this film opened to 31 million dollars this weekend No. modest opening it's a modest opening it's <laughs> it's well below expectations which were around yeah. like 45 million um and the movie costs anywhere between 150 to 185 million. To be fair, yeah. it's split between Alcon and Sony. They footed the bill for this. Warner Brothers is just distributing in America, while well, Sony is distributing worldwide. Um, you could, I mean, there's it will probably scrape by to make back its money worldwide. I I've been kind of thinking that all along, <laughs> but um, it's I think that goes, that that plays into a lot of things that we you know come to expect from sci-fi and what you. Not to get too much into like the business aspect, but I mean, Blade Runner was not a hit back in '82. It became a kind of occult sensation okay. to, yeah. in, into be you know a modern classic of sorts over time. But it's you know it's not the film that's calling like man, we we definitely need to see this new Blade Runner movie that we didn't really want to see years ago. And audiences of today certainly don't necess- need a two hour and forty five minute movie that's very slow and deals with things that they're not necessarily all that interested in. But I do like that the studio's is like, no, make this movie. This is what you got, and this is what right. we have this super right. long Blade Runner sequel that feels like a Blade Runner sequel, and nothing, nothing compromised. It's not a giant action movie or whatnot. Um, it's true to its form. That said, I guess I'm curious if you guys are. Did you beyond like emotional beats involving characters? Did you did you respond to like the the story as far as it being the kind of next chapter in the Blade Runner universe, like coming off of that film, are you satisfied with the direction that it went in telling another story within this world?
0: I was fine with it. I think that it uh, much like what you and uh, Ali had mentioned, I, I was just letting the movie kind of guide me where it wanted to go because I was really immersed in what I was watching, um, given the technical aspects of it with uh, cinematography Roger Deakins and uh, Denny's. Uh, very, um, deliberate pacing. Uh, so a- as far as like the story goes of, of why agent K detective K agent K is for Man in black. Jones, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> why, why detective K is looking for, um, Harrison Ford's character. You know, that, that was, that was cool. And that was, uh, that was fine. But ultimately I didn't really so much mind where when I, I think I was just more, um, trying to, um, get into some social uh, social, I guess, understanding of the AI in this world. Cause there's, there's a lot of different ideas here. You guys mentioned some of them too, with uh, Anna de Armis's character. She's, she's an AI character that uh, is a companion to Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling is a replicant. There are other forms of replicant. He's an older model replicant as he calls himself. And, and as the film opens up with, and so there's new model replicants and There's this really interesting point where he's going into these archives and uh, he mentions to the woman there, he's like, oh, uh, he named you. He must really like you. So there's like this really cool little subtle uh, subtleties of just the world in 2049 of of how people hate these, uh, you know, there's human hatred of these replicants. But then within the replicant system themselves, there's also this growing um, understanding of uh, some sort of uh, um, seniority system, or I guess uh, I don't even want to call it a case system, but uh, something like that, where it, it's, it becomes very interesting. Of just, well, are these republicans really republicans, or do they are they just like manufactured people? And that's that's a really interesting question to answer.
1: Russ, I, I you've mentioned already that you think it kind of bit off more than it could chew. Per se, I guess is that fair to say, as far as all the kinds of things it's trying to tackle within its It's run.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good uh, way of putting it.
1: Were there, were there, I'm trying to not be too specific. Um, Were
3: there, (laughs)
1: were there there aspects that did satisfy you as far as seeing Kay's journey and you know, how he eventually comes with Deckard and whatnot?
2: Yeah. 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 I I think we kind of hinted at earlier that there's, there's kind of a mystery that seemed a little too on the nose that turned out to be not on the nose which made me very happy because I was like, oh, man, if 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 this plays out the way I think it does, then that's, you know,
0: it's very convenient if that would be. Yes. Yeah, I probably tolerant. would have given us some points off for that.
2: Yeah. So I, I really appreciated that. I, I liked kind of like I said, you know, at the beginning, I think it put everything on the. There are a lot of questions that people uh, asked. There's a lot of debate on the first uh, blade runner, I'm not spoiling anything for this one, but there's a lot of debate on the first one is, is Deckard a replicant? Is he not a replicant? Is Rachel, you know, you know, what's the deal with Rachel? And there's a lot of questions that people have around that. And there's a lot of opinions and Ridley Scott's, uh, come out, you know, and, and given his opinion on, on what he thinks about all that. Um, and you can watch the original blade runner and you could, you could probably make a valid argument in both directions. Uh, and it'd be it be hard to to counter that. Uh, and so one of the things that I kind of did appreciate with this is they they laid all that on the table and they're like, nope, this is what this is. Um, you know, for 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 good or for bad or or whatever. Um, although it's it's funny because I I got in this protracted discussion with Craig Demonda about thirty minutes before we recorded, uh, and and he he he's like, well, this movie fully set you know things as being this, and I'm like. What are you talking about, man? It's the exact opposite of what you just said. And he's like, he's like, no, so, it's not. Depending on what we're talking about, um, but
1: I'll just say this: I think the because the Deckard being a replicant question, which is my least favorite question about the first writer, because I don't think it matters. Um, <laughs> uh, from my from my perspective, I don't think this movie necessarily answers that question either. If that's a specific question that still comes up. Interesting. Yeah,
4: yeah. I I, 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 I disagree, but. We, I, yeah, I, that would be a spoiler I, discussion. I, I, yeah,
1: It could be, <laughs> but, but I, I do think that there's wiggle room as far as sure, what it's trying sure, to say sure. about Deckard. Sure, stuff. sure. And, I, I, or at least as far think, as what I think – I don't think – I mean, if you wanted to say one specific thing, I think it'd be clear. I'll put it that way.
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, it, just like with Gosling's character, right? Like right from Jump, it's like, nope, he's a replicant. Like there's no – it's almost like this one is saying like, look, we're not playing around with that whole – is he, isn't he, you know, what, you know, what is he? We're not carrying this forward. Well, that would like, be this boring,
1: is, too, if you're watching the second movie and it's like another
2: question right. about
1: the lead character and what he is, like, let's just... Right. Like, I like that it sets that up right away. Just it, right away. It presents yeah. some new questions um, for him. Sure, um, sure, sure. But um, yeah, and I, but I, I, like you said, I do, agree, I do agree that the, you know, there's a way it could have gone and then it doesn't go that way, which I was happy with, so...
2: Right. And I, I think it's kind of interesting you know, the character of joy where it's, it's almost kind of like the third evolution, right? Like mm-hmm. we have humans mm-hmm. and how they interact with each other. And then along came replicants and how they interacted with each other. Um, and now you have inner, you have basically, and I'm sure that, that this, this product is not marketed only towards replicants. It's, it's, I'm sure it's whoever will, can, it's you to know, whoever sees that giant billboard. It's like, yep, it, let me get one of those. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, but, now you have this 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 next layer of replicants interacting with a yet another form of artificial life, right? Um, right. And and I thought that kind of was interesting in how uh, Kay specifically interacted with her and how other characters interacted with her, and then all of that. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, for the most part, like she's no different. Like if you took. If you, if you went to somebody else's home that had a Joy model, this character would be exactly the same as she is, um, you know, in, in Kay's household. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure part of the AI is, you know, she... It's programmed uh, to be a certain way or something. Right, like that. right. Yeah, that, that she reacts and responds and advances based on her interaction with... Yeah,
0: it's like a T1, uh, team, uh, Terminator. <laughs> model one, one
2: 808
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just, just the fact that, you know, it's gonna look the same, it's gonna talk the same, it's yeah. gonna walk the same, it's, you know, uh, you know, other than, than just, you know, the, the, the slight differences in personality and just, just, inter, you know, human, you know, interaction with its, with its owner, for lack of a better term, um, it, you know, they're essentially the same, whereas with Replicants, they're all, I mean... In the beginning, there were very few models, you know, you, you know, within a line. And now it seems like in this world, they've opened things up. I don't think it's a spoiler. They've opened things up to where um, there are many models uh, and they are very prevalent, mm-hmm. uh, which they kind of talk in the prologue about all that. And if you've watched any of the uh, the prequel videos, it kind of it kind of talks about that, too. But
1: which I would recommend, by the way, I think. It yeah.
2: Is, oh, yeah. Uh, very animatrix kind of. Yeah. Uh,
1: thing. I was telling Abe earlier uh, in the week that the as opposed to something like Alien Covenant, where I think those those kind of videos I think spoiled aspects of the actual movie and did not work for the benefit. You could watch those after and feel better about it. I think the movies that are the, the sort the short films, two directed by Luke Scott and one directed by uh, uh, Watanabe, the director uh, from uh, mm-hmm. Cowboy Bebop and, Cowboy Bebop. and mm-hmm. Kids on a Slope. Um, I think that those all benefit the. I, th- I think they aid without having to be necessar- necessary. Um, they don't spoil this new film, but they don't—they—they they don't hurt by not—they don't hurt you watching it or not watching it. You can watch them after; yeah, they'll be fine. It, but they, it adds you
3: know. a little
2: context. Yeah,
3: uh, it, you know, you
2: because...
4: what what I love here is this conversation that we're having. You know, like I, I want to spend like hours talking about what does it mean that there's this whole advertising and a product that's being sold to replicants right like like what what does that mean and why would a replicant need an ai assistant and does that uh does that mean that they are alive that they're equivalent and all of this sort of stuff like i really don't think the plot here is that interesting and i'm okay with that i don't really care and um i want to talk about the world and the universe and how all these things are built and also i need to applaud the studio for two things one is they didn't populate this universe with um everyone using sony products that's great <laughs> <laughs> um, i was really excited i was very excited about that and number two like we have advertising for Pan Am and atari right yeah uh, you know i'd mm-hmm. love to- like parallel universe of like all these companies that still exist from the original film. That may- like, it- that's that's really great by the
1: way. I love that it kind of, because it's because we're so close to the actual 2019 where Blade Runner, it's like, no, we're going to keep running with the version that was set up earlier. <laughs> yes. And even like the technology, I do think there's a, there's a tendency to see sequels to films that came like way later or even prequels in some matters Obviously, a few notable prequels, uh, where the technology seemingly feels a lot you know, more advanced than it was in the original film. And that obviously comes with the fact that budgets and effects were as they were multiple decades before new films came out. But this movie, being set 30 years ahead, it feels like the technology's advanced about as much as it would in 30 years. Like, it doesn't feel yeah. too over the I- top. I mean, there's flying cars, but... You know, that's just cool. I mean, it just comes with the territory. (laughs) But beyond beyond that, I mean, there's stuff that seems plausible for 2049 still without like kind of betraying either the spirit of the original film or just the kind of modern time we're in right now.
2: Right. Yeah, there's still, you know, you've got your CRT, uh, you know, monitors that are set up and and things like that, which, again, are cool callbacks. And, um, you know, I love that the Atari logo in the first Blade Runner was like, very minute in the background and i love the fact that 30 years later atari has become this giant that it warrants <laughs> like the entire side of a building
1: it's making a comeback um, i mean yeah.
2: let's <laughs> just you wait <laughs> well, 2049
1: it, loves pixels it's the that's what's gonna. i mean back. i think scoot mcnary and lee pace are going to get off halt, and catch fire and be like we want to start a movement to get atari back going again and they're going to admit <laughs> it and it's going to go I mean, you know they are
2: building that atari box i don't yeah. know if you guys seen that but
1: right <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've got fixed, a question for you guys I called it okay yeah
2: yeah,
0: in terms of the, um, uh, I guess where it does go with the plot, Aaron, you mentioned that it's it's fairly paper thin. I mean, what, where does this leave you with uh, the end of this movie? I mean, how how do you guys feel as though will will, will people say like, well, we're just going to end it at this, or will people say, well, let's start spinning it off? You guys mentioned the animatrix where um, you know worlds are created uh, either from fanfiction and or anywhere else. Where would this kind of... Where do you guys feel as though this kind of goes?
1: (sighs) Well, I'll say... So, because I felt this sequel, before seeing it, was already basically unnecessary because I just didn't know what a sequel would have to offer. And now that I'm impressed with what the sequel actually did have to offer, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say we definitely need to get whoever survives in this movie to come back for another installment of Blade Runner. But if there were more like not necessarily a series but if there were more like anime entries or even mm-hmm. short films that would continue to dive in this universe i wouldn't be against it mm-hmm. there are clearly loose ends as far as remaining characters in this film as far jared as jared leader's yeah, character as far yeah. the, I don't need to get into it if my, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as kind of where what their next step is especially because yes the kind of the wallace corporation and specifically there i mean by the time this movie ends there's still an aspect of well that's still that company's still out there like they still have a goal in mind so mm-hmm. then they they may or may not have accomplished things but they still need to kind of move on to the next step so what would that be but it's hard for me to say like they should invest another 150 million dollars in another blade runner sequel that's also right. a flop um, right. but but no i it, i i was i was you're talking about the kind of the story and how i i've regarded it as it's it is thin. It's for it's more episodic than anything because Kay's just basically like going place to place and being like, "Oh, let me have a conversation with this cool person." Yeah. Uh, hey, Lenny James, what are you up to? I don't know. Let me yeah. talk to you about it. Like it's just a lot of <laughs> like mm-hmm. stuff
2: like that. <laughs> Child um, labor. Uh, so it's by crazy th- Morgan, I mean it was ba- it was crazy yeah. Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's <laughs> it he's was like in he, the future.
1: He's like the trash people in the latest season of The Walking Dead. <laughs> That's what yeah. he's more like. <laughs> um, but it's I mean. By the time it ends, I would say I was satisfied on an emotional level. I really like I, I beyond. We can get into this in a bit, but I do think once it gets to I prefer So <laughs> when we get to Deckard, I I refer to that point in the film as Orange. Um, so I'll just, I'm going to be using the term orange right. a lot uh, like the, th- once we get to orange I find the movie becomes a lot more conventional we'll get to
0: yes, sure. Yeah, yes, we'll, we'll, sure. Get to,
1: we'll get to the characters in a second because I want to talk about the acting in this film because I think there's some things to mention for yeah. sure but I think that that section and beyond gets very conventional in the film as opposed to the first two hours <laughs> which are you know playing pretty well I think in this world once it gets to that point it's like okay things are kind of fall- the dominoes are falling into a pretty specific place here and even the kind of fight the climax is you know a fight essentially as opposed to something more interesting per se but once it gets to kind of its final minutes i think there's a lot there that really worked for me i really like I the agree. kind of emotional response was going on between which characters were meeting who
4: and what have you russ i don't i, I know how much you've loved blade runner how much it's been a part of your childhood I, did you ever want a sequel like were you oh yeah yeah, yeah. you did
2: yeah i you, you know it's funny. Uh, I guess it was probably mid '90s, uh, and my brother, uh, who's ten years younger than me, was really into it. But they made a video game that was—I forget what the name of it was—but they actually combined Total Recall and Blade Runner. It was like a, it was like a, almost like a kind of a, a FMV sort of game uh that that was like a murder mystery kind of thing and it and it combined elements of both and i always thought it would be cool to come back and revisit the world i i never i never really envisioned a blade runner sequel as needing to to be about deckard like i felt Mm -hmm. like i felt satisfied at the end of the first blade runner that like okay i get what the deal is with deckard um especially uh you know with the with the director's cut and, you know, whether or not they got away or whether they were killed or captured or whatever, like they found the overlook
1: hotel, given the original. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
2: Um, I, I, to me, it was like, okay, it it was never that big of a deal. It was all about Mm. the world. And I, I always thought if they ever did a sequel, like I said, it, it, I could care. A, I never thought Harrison Ford would do it. Um, (laughs) given, (laughs) uh, given his disdain for, uh, the process on that movie and, the, and his experience on that movie, um, which is is probably why he's never worked with Ridley Scott again. Um, <laughs> but in, in, if you haven't watched the Dangerous Days documentary that was included uh, on the, uh, the four or pretty five much disc, any, disc yeah, Blu-ray
1: release, yeah,
2: any of the cut. I mean, even the most recent one, uh, the 4K disc has that has the DVD for the. Um, but it's like a three-hour-long documentary that is just amazing, yeah, um, very it, candid. Yeah, extremely candid, which I love uh, to me. If you're going to do a documentary, make it candid. Like, don't don't give me a Studio Puff piece because right. that's just BS. Um, we, so the like, fact we, that
1: we, we mentioned, like the narration in the film, you actually get to hear the outtakes of Harrison Ford, really yeah. feeling the fact that he has to record narration <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
3: so
2: so, yeah, just to, to kind of put a put a point on it, like I always wanted them to come back to this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, whether or not it had Decker in it was was kind of inconsequential to me.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I like that answer. I
4: I agree. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I never wanted um, a sequel in terms of uh, Decker's story. I, I always felt very satisfied with that. And I like what this did in terms of extending the view of the world of um the, there's a seawall there's a giant seawall in this film and i love the implication here that the sea levels have ridden to raised to a point where it's dramatically changed uh california and and you know, the orange area that we'll get into later um but w- when it comes to the characters i don't i don't need to see more i don't i don't need to see more of ryan gosling's character i don't need to see more of of any of the other characters here i do think the world is interesting but when i um i am a huge fan of battlestar galactica and that so references the original uh blade runner they they call their cylons uh skin jobs they have the skin job models and the ones that aren't um, and I think that uh, on TV, we've gotten really great stories of AI and um, androids and all of the sort of stuff where we get to see these characters over time. And I, I think TV might do that type of story better. I um, totally right? agree. Yeah, yeah, right. Like yeah. like something like, like Ex Machina and 2049 and the original Blade Runner, um, there are certain things that they can do but they never really satisfy in terms of these big ideas we have. I think TV does that better. So maybe an anime, um, they probably wouldn't do this, but a live-action series that's set in this universe, I, uh,
0: that would be compelling to me. I would I would find that ultra-compelling, too. And so, uh, just to answer my own question, yeah, I, I want to see the continuation of the world. I agree with you guys that I don't necessarily need to see the continuation of the Deckard story or the Detective K story, um, although I, I think Detective K certainly has a lot of aspects that make him very intriguing um again how he's dealing with his range of emotions uh finding out information as he goes along with the case kind of thing um i was like well this is really neat just to see a replicant kind of go through all this but then again replicants have just been so ingrained in the society that they are just seen as sure uh, a skin job but at the same time um you know they you you can't really tell them uh, apart unless you were to directly look at their eyeball or something like that right um but I have another question for you guys.
1: Let me. I want to go back to a point I yeah. just made about you know a series versus a movies that tackle these ideas and don't necessarily become satisfying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I can agree to a point. At the same time, something I like specifically about Blade Runner, even Ex Machina, or any number of really successful versions of these types of stories. I and you could with a series, you could have the same reaction as far as you're still chewing on some of these themes. But I do like that a movie like Blade Runner. The original and even this movie, it does leave you with a level of ambiguity, very much on purpose. Mm. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can get behind wanting to know more, just because these worlds are so fascinating, and especially something like this that's so visually intriguing. Regardless of how much the limits of a TV show affect that, if it were to be like a series or whatnot, I do think the the direction that these movies take, these Blade Runner movies specifically, is that it you know it gives you this kind of long, thoughtful analysis of these people but also just the nature of these people more so because the characters are also kind of thin. Um, the fact that it's just, it's giving you all of the, it's putting that in front of you and letting you rest on it during the film and then leaving you to be like, so what was that about? Like, it gives you that question to go home with and I do, I I'm, I'm satisfied enough with that without having to see, like, four seasons of this to, you know, really get a grasp on what it was trying to say.
3: Sure.
2: Yeah, I, the only thing is, for me, like with the first one, it, it really kind of left one thread on, you know, one question unanswered, you know, yeah, the where
1: James almost get his bow ties. I know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> How's he grow At that? This on sale. Uh, <laughs> I'm you know, sorry. You, you, <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Uh, you know,
3: the,
2: the real unanswered question and the kind of the, the dangling plot thread, if you will, is, is the Deckard character. And uh, the one thing about 2049 is, there are multiple things that they don't that they kind of touch on and then they leave, mm-hmm. uh, and and for me that that's kind of one of the criticisms I have is is not that they didn't you know wrap it all up in a nice pretty bow, but they introduced some things and then just kind of abandoned them, um, or that's how I felt. I felt like they mm-hmm. just kind of there there are two things specifically that they kind of made a made a big point of and dedicated a lot of screen time to, and then I feel like they just kind of abandoned them. Uh,
3: Yeah, I can can
1: see what you're, especially keeping it vague, I know what you're referring to, I guess. I think the, I would say I admire this film more than others that also try to set up, what is essentially universes or further sequels down the line. I do think this, despite the kind of lingering things going on, I do think this is fairly closed off. Like if they're there, I, I I won't be, I won't be dissatisfied by not seeing what happens to certain people, I guess, down the road. Oh, the road. sure. Like, that sure. would never happen. Whereas opposed to something like, I mean, that divergent series literally, is open-ended right now i mean like not that i'm necessarily a huge <laughs> fan of the divergent movies but at the same time I, i'm they, never the, gonna know how the last the, 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 the final movie as of now since there are no real plans beyond vague talks of a tv series is part one of the final book in that series so it's like well that sucks for those people that we'll never get yeah. to really wrap up that story or even something like this dark universe that tried to start like that movie's so full of like ideas for where to go with the universal monsters in modern times it's like yeah, all right, that's nice. <laughs> You've given me a lot to, you know, not think about because I don't care that much, but you still try to shove it in there anyway. Um, this movie, I do think it it introduces some things. I mean, I've talked about the walls Club company. There's also a a revolutionary aspect of that could go to places. And if that were never to be expanded upon, I'd be fine with that. At the same time, sure, like that's cool. If the, I mean, at least I, I know things I know things that could transpire were the film to keep going or the series to keep going in some way.
4: I mean, it, it ends a lot. Um, the feeling I had at the end of 2049 is very similar to the feeling I had at the end of *Children of Men*, where uh-huh. there is a abrupt ending to the story that, uh, to me, feels very satisfying. And would I like to know what happens next? Yeah but not in but i really don't want to see that film like I, i'm very satisfied with uh the story and and how it's come together the the thing that did leave me unsatisfied at the end is i don't think we really had a um tears in the rain moment in this film i mean the the there's the the quote from the the bad guy in the in the first film yeah, um
2: roy batty yeah
4: yeah right yeah um uh just like uh like tears in the rain this this uh like all of his memories are and all the experiences he's had are are just going to be gone and um that is such um just such an incredibly sad moment and for you to feel that for that character is just a such a great arc that that um he that we see i don't think 40 or 2049 has a moment like that and i was sort of waiting for for something like that i think it in a few places tries to and this might get to what you want to talk about aaron about um about characters but um that's what i was waiting for that that left me a little unsatisfied
1: and i'll well i'll say this for one i i'm not going to say ville didn't try to have that but i i I do think there is you know when you're making a sequel to a film that you, I mean, he clearly loves Blade Runner. I think that, I mean, he said that many times in interviews, and whatnot. And I think everybody involved in this film certainly has a passion for the original film. And so constructing that kind of constructing a movie like this, knowing that there are certain things you might want to expect from that. I, I guess while, you know, it's only been a week or, or a week, a weekend or a day or two, since you guys have seen it, it, it's hard to to pronounce necessarily that like there won't be you know thirty years or twenty years from now five years around now that like some lines just really stand the test of time. But I do right. always, I do always hear what you're saying. I don't necessarily think there's any specific line or reading or moment that's like this is going to be like you know one of the, the highlight reels in all time great sci fi movies. Um, well, I, that's I, where I, I'm
0: saying that I feel as though it's kind of referenced throughout, and I agree with with uh, um, uh, with uh, Ali that it's just you know there's not one final moment kind of thing, but I think that there's some hints throughout.
1: Yeah, there's some, there's a lot of great stuff throughout this movie, I think. I, do, I just, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think Denis Villeneuve, while he may be trying to have some form of that, I don't think he's really going out of his way to be like, well, let me make, like, this is the scene I took like forever right. on to make sure it's the standout scene that, you know, gives really gives you that feeling that you got from Roy Batty saying right. things. At the same time, I remember... Um, there were lots of drafts and work on a Blade Runner sequel for a while, and I remember there was one screenwriter, you know, talking about how he wanted to show audiences the attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion.
2: Oh gosh! And I was oh, like, I do,
1: I, and I kept thinking, I do not want to see that movie.
2: No, like, I don't, no, want, no. That's, that's, I don't want to you're see. You're missing the point.
1: I don't want to see <laughs> right. visualizations of what Roy Batty went through. I just want to see if, if you're going to make this thing, which I wasn't necessarily clamoring for. Make it something that fits the film without being overt, you know, super obvious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what and, fanfic is for,
2: exactly. And that's <laughs> this is
1: yeah, yeah. Keep going, yeah. Th-
2: this is one of those movies. So I've maybe it's just because I'm getting old and I'm just getting more nostalgic as I get old. Um, but I-, I watched the original Blade Runner, and 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 again, not to not to keep harping on it, but but watching the 4K version and seeing. <laughs> watching on my 4k tv sounding like the pretentious a-hole that i am um no one of the things that really stands out is just like the physical model work and the physical uh practical effects work and i mean granted some of it is like well, boy that's that's a little rough but then some of it is so impressive and so beautiful and and comes across as so authentic Um, when I see movies nowadays, you know, that, that are, especially when they have direct tie to that type of effects work, um, and to see it be overly CG'd, um, it, it, it just, part of me feels a little sad, you know, and, and, uh, not for any like logical reason, like objectively it's like, yes, this, (laughs) there are many things that look way better because they have CG to be able to do this stuff. Um, but but there's some of it. It's just there's something about knowing that you know that building is a real building. You know the Tyrell building is is somebody built that and lit it and you know it's a physical it's a physical thing. Right. Um,
4: Russ, I completely agree with you. Even though I saw it on my uh, on my budget Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it it holds up so incredibly well. Like it, it is it's remarkable how good the original Blade Runner looks. But I I think 2049 the effects are going to hold up incredibly well um as well. There there weren't many scenes where I was like, "Oh gosh, this, you know, you can you can kind of see what's what's happening here." Um I, I think the 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 scale, the effects, it was restrained, it was controlled, it was beautiful. Um I I think these the effects here are going to hold up very well.
1: I, sure, let's, sure, let's let's talk about that a bit. Let's talk, and then we'll get to performances. I promise. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's talk about. Like, I mean,
4: we're
0: reduction. taking our time, Aaron. We're we're right, going. It's a Blade Blade Runner. Runner It's a are yeah, doing Danny no, style.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're in the spirit here.
0: I uh, uh, I was looking at the credits, and and there's certainly a lot of miniature work done too. So I I was very appreciative of just the practicalness that they had. I think maybe some of the things that were kind of just um interesting to me was just. Um, the flying car sequences, right? So some of those might look a little bit weird, maybe ten years down the line. But um, I agree with Ali that everything looks pretty good. Like it looks pretty solid, and I I'd, I'd have to watch it again with a closer eye just to try and figure out which scenes maybe uh, were green screened or you know where they did some other stuff. But um, you know, even some of the uh, the Rachel stuff was pretty good. What the
1: so. Okay, so... Keeping the original in mind, that's something, and we talk about this on the commentary track. I don't want to re-step over that too much, but the Ridley Scott's the kind of guy who fits with directors like like Cameron or Michael Bay, even where they they know what they're, they're meticulous. And the Fincher is a great example, actually. They <laughs> they have these they have this meticulous eye for how to use effects. It's not just using it because they can use it, but using it in a way where it's going to look good no matter what. And I say this specifically that like that first Transformers movie, it still looks good today. Those effects haven't yeah. eight, They don't like they, you know that's that's ten years ago now. And it, regardless of again, regardless of quality of Transformers movies, they look very consistent throughout the run of Transformers movies. They still look the same. They look convincing enough as far as robots that transform into something. And Ridley mm-hmm. Scott's Blade Runner. Russ, you mentioned yes, there are you know it's obvious it's a thirty-five year old movie, but at the same time the way he's incorporating matte paintings and and yeah. and, and um, yeah. you know little optical effects and miniatures and what have you it still fits because the movie the movie's atmosphere is so strong it's it's doing such a great job of communicating you what this world is supposed to be and with this movie I can agree that the effects are I mean they're obviously great this movie costs one hundred eighty-five million dollars <laughs> it's coming from a major studio they they gave mm-hmm. it the A-list treatment but it makes me wonder how special that really is these days when you have so many movies that cost, you know, obscene amounts of money and look great. Now, I can give this credit for having lots of practical effects, but so did Force Awakens. I mean, that movie also has a lot of practical effects. Sure, and, sure. And so it's it's great that it looks this good and I'm sure years to come it'll still look very good, but it just it doesn't win too many points for me for that regard. That said, Deacon cinematography is something else here. Like, he's... he's yeah. The way he's constructing... I mean, because that goes hand-in-hand hand with how these effects work. You have to plan for sure. this kind of thing. And I do think there's a lot of amazing sets and, and like, ways that he's positioning the camera to emphasize certain things. Something like the scenes involving Jared Leto where you're in this windowless room that seems to have the sun somehow beaming on it at all times and creating right. like shadows and water effects that are how they're reflecting on the walls. It's tremendous. Uh, regardless of Leto... Uh, which we'll talk about in a second, I I do think there's a lot of just really interesting ways he's gone about, and, you know, the collaboration has worked to portray this world, um, whether it's in these closed-off spaces or in these expansive areas that involve giant trash heaps or shitty Los Angeles or shitty outside Los Angeles
3: or shitty (laughs) Las Vegas. outside Los Angeles. Or what... (laughs)
2: Do you think somebody was trying to say something about San Diego? I uh, think so. Yeah, <laughs> they really
1: took it down. Took it down <laughs> to San Diego here, but it's not like anywhere else looked all that appealing either. So, it's, uh,
4: but uh, off world, yeah. Aaron, off world.
1: Uh, off world probably looks amazing. Yeah, off you know, world's like, ours, like ours. clean. Off world's like Star right. Trek. It's just like it's right. all white walls and <laughs> fancy doors and what have you. Everybody's friendly. Like just all, everybody. You notice everybody in the, in Los Angeles looks like like a really fashionable homeless person. Like that seems yeah. to be like the color, yeah. Like regardless of if you're successful or not, you all everyone seems to like not actually be living anywhere. They just seem to be always on the streets, but still looking We're like just look just they're di- and
0: hanging out in your apartment building. It's, yeah, it's but really they're like annoying.
1: they're dirty, but also really
0: well dressed at the same time. It's weird.
1: Like it's a weird. More, like it's place like city. a movie
0: star. I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's get to the performances, obviously starting yes. with Barkhad Abdi. Um, he's fantastic in this movie, once again. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame that he's not being used more, but I keep seeing him popping up. I'm kidding a little bit, but I, I mean, it's nice to see Barkhad Abdi. Um, he was uh, good in uh, Eagle Eye. Yeah, he was. was it Eagle Eye? Uh, Eagle. Pff,
0: um, on, the one with, with the... One with, uh, not Eagle Yellow Eye. I, 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 um,
1: in the sky. Eye in the Sky. It yeah. rhymes, Eagle Eye and Eye in the Sky. <laughs> but, um, Eagle Eye is, I think
0: it's but, the shadow uh, buffoon.
1: I want to point out that, yes, I want to point out this really quick, uh, this cast beyond Gosling and Ford is mostly made up of women and people of color, which I found to be pretty interesting and really you know well handled as far as, like, let's show you a future that looks plausible and it's like, yeah, here's a bunch of, like, women in power and POCs running around that are doing their thing. It, it was nice. It was nice, <laughs> it was nice to see. Um, that said, performance-wise, a lot of good stuff here. Um, I want to start off Harrison Ford since we've barely talked about him um, as returning as Deckard. I want to know what you guys thought, but i bring that up because i i think ford in the original film i question this on the commentary i don't think he's i think he's good but i don't think he's great in that movie it's an iconic performance i guess because it's rick deckard and it's harrison ford so he has a natural charisma he brings to it but compared to the rest of the cast who i think are all giving really strong performances i always kind of thought of him as more or less the weak link again not bad which is kind of lesser and here in this movie i think he's fantastic He's he's very much dialing down the kind of Fordness as far as being – because that's Deckard. Deckard's not a jokester like like Han Solo. He's he's a much more kind of subdued and reactionary character. And I think this movie does a good job of holding on to that while still giving him some of that kind of older man resonance that he's brought to some of his other recent performances, including the more recent Han Solo. I think there's a soulfulness that goes along with the kind of smug or smugness to him. And in this movie, I think it works again, not the same as Han Solo, but I think his kind of his presence as an older actor who's now more experienced and has grown as an actor. I think that pays off here is in his Decker performance.
4: Yeah, the original uh, Deckard uh, Harrison Ford at that time wasn't really at peak Ford yet, <laughs> um, even though he had done Star Wars already um, and everyone else was just so good. in that he he really does stick out there but here i mean the the scenes with him and ryan gosling when it's really just the two of them before there ends up being more people there that that whole stretch of the film was um so great to watch uh i mean there was so much uh so much subtlety to the acting that that was going there I, i loved harrison ford in this film
0: yeah, I think that he had really good performance in this movie, too. I think that there are some laughs that he brings, uh, oh, for just sure. naturally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, the movie, is it's not as though people are out-competing each other for the most yuck-yucks, but... but um, you no, know, he's just got some some uh, some funny things to say. <laughs>
1: Except for Dave Bautista, he's a ball of laughs. That, that guy. guy was just, like <laughs>
0: cracking. He, he's basically Drax, but in in no makeup in this movie. <laughs>
3: so, uh,
0: but uh, no, uh, Harrison Ford. I think that there was a lot of subtleties in his performance too. Um, much the same way that we've talked about with uh, Danny, Danny Villanueva's direction, just. The way that he's either moving, or the way that he's leaving rooms, or the way that he's, or you know, one liners that he says, it's it's just really well done.
2: Yeah, and it it seemed natural because you got the parts of the character, and I'm not gonna spoil anything where he's very flippant and uncaring about something you would expect him to be more caring about, um, which definitely fits the Deckard thing, but you could also tell that he's kind of softened up and. I think, I think it's kind of a parallel to Ford himself, right? Like, I mean, yeah, Harrison, 1982 Harrison Ford, you know, didn't like to give interviews, didn't, didn't, didn't talk about Blade Runner, period. Like you never heard him talk about that movie, um, was, was a little bit kind of prickly of a, of a, of a character in real life at that time. Um, and since then he's, he's, he's kind of uh he's opened up in, he's in on the joke itself of the grumpiness yeah at this point yeah. which is yeah like amusing <laughs> yeah and he's he's embracing you know i mean just you know just what was it on the tonight show when you know the chewbacca was in the yeah. au- audience and he's you know i mean he's he's <laughs> he's learned to uh to kind of lighten up for lack of a better term and i well, think i
1: think that and also like writers seem to be playing to that strength of this is a guy yeah. who seems to play up this grumpy image let's play into that i think there's yeah like, yeah
2: and right. you know again you, you know you get older you you tend to just kind of lighten up a little bit I mean you know the
1: uh... But yeah Ford I think is I do think he's really good here I was I, yeah. I especially I mean cuz the I guess it's more because I I had a level of expectation of what he was going to bring and what the rest of the film was going to bring and it was it defied that expectation I think it it played I mean it, I guess the thing I was most surprised about with this movie is how much it played like Blade Runner um Knowing Villain and his past films, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be this, you know, nonstop thrill ride full of action scenes. But at the same time, it's a big risk to make a movie this long coming from a major studio in this day and age that plays itself this deliberately slowly and doesn't have a whole lot going on as far as plot beats and action sequences right. every 10 minutes. So right. it's, I right. think it's a credit to that. And, to have, and, now, and that's why I can now see why Ford would sign on for this sequel, because like you said, Russ, he did not have the best experience working on the original Blade Runner. But here he's... It's, I mean, he must have read the script and saw what we're seeing in this final form where it's like, okay, they've actually made a, a respect, a, did a respectful job of continuing the story without right. kind of betraying the spirit of it, regardless of how much he had, a, how much of fun he had making that first film. I think he certainly likes the movie. I think he, he, he acknowledges what it's given to cinema and whatnot. And he, right. he seems to, I mean, I'm happy that he got back involved and that he's really is a supporting character. This is the Gosling show, so let's get to Gosling now because I think he's terrific in this movie.
0: Yeah, I think I, Brian Gosling yeah, is fantastic yeah. in this movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were hinting out. at it all along, too, of just, again, just, again, the range that he has to go through with his character. Um, and to see him go through this, and then, Ali, you mentioned it, and I mentioned it earlier, too, of just, uh, just, you mentioned it with... Uh, with um, uh, Rutger Howard's character but I mentioned with with Gosling's character just I felt bad for him at, at right. certain points in the movie and so, and it's it's uh I know that uh, when you see it as just a movie itself um, or if you take the movie by itself he's just this android type character right who just has blood and guts and material but ultimately is is programmed um and I just felt bad for him just throughout uh, as as he goes on his experiences. And to have this emotional attachment to him and uh, is is something that I think really is a credit to Ryan Gosling's acting.
4: Like 60 percent of this film is Ryan Gosling flying in his flying car and us just sort of looking at him flying in his flying car. And there's he's doing so much with those scenes Um, The way he's carrying himself is both human and um, and a little different. Um, So I I so enjoyed uh, just watching him him act and uh, and play that role. And I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue and you really walk away feeling for his character. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it it seems to very much play into what I've liked in Gosling. And I know he has like his critics and admirers for this kind of, you know, doing a lot less than saying anything as far as him kind of staring off in the distance which he's done in drive obviously in other such movies despite the fact that he's a pretty funny guy if you see even like la la land which is on hbo a lot now like he's he has a lot of great comedic beats that he plays in that movie right Um, but he has he does have this kind of thing where he can stare off into the distance and either people really like that and a lot of people really do like that <laughs> or they don't they kind of be like okay this guy's just not doing much and somehow he gets praised for it i like that he does that i've been liking that he does that since half nelson where i really first saw him i know a lot of people saw yeah. him in the notebook i didn't see the notebook till way later but i saw half nelson which i really liked and i think he got an oscar nomination I'm like this guy's got nominated right, right? Yeah. it's like this guy's one to watch and i really liked a lot of gosling films from then on because like i get this guy's kind of mood and it works. He like this is like the ideal person to have for this character. Like it's such a. I mean, he's playing a robot, so I mean, it's almost you know, it's almost a, like a bit of self commentary as far as having Gosling play this role. But it works, I think, really well. I think he goes through this. This kind of range of emotions, even though there's a lot of it. That's yeah, Ali is just kind of him staring out the window of his of his spinner. Um, but there's a there's still a lot of kind of steps he gave like you've mentioned he goes through kind of the he runs the gamut as far as seeing different things happen to him taking a beating which is very much like Deckard in the first movie he takes a beating
3: yeah. in this movie
1: a lot yeah. And, yeah. but also like it's not even just him being kind of reactionary he's doing a he's doing a lot of the work he's doing the legwork he's yeah. going on this investigation he's finding things he's fighting people he's talking back to superiors at some points uh, he, he takes you know matters into his own hands so I think there's it, the movie. Well, it could have easily just like pivoted to Deckard any second and just made it about him. It really is the Gosling's show. It's the it's K's mm-hmm. movie, and I think it's all the better for it because it gives you a whole new character with a new you know a new perspective to focus on him being a replicant and all that. Gives you something really interesting to attach yourself to, but also Gosling brang bring his A game to this movie. It really plays out well.
4: The, the scenes where he goes through this sort of uh, new new kampf test the uh, the baseline test yeah um, which was a great uh, little like visual throwback to the to the original film um a- again he doesn't really have much dialogue but um what he's what he's portraying and what he's communicating is just um uh, makes you feel so empathetic for the character yeah
0: and again I, I actually really love the 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 small things because again, he's a replicant right so he's like literally sequencing dna by just looking at yeah. frames of writing <laughs> and you're, you're you know <laughs> if you forgot that he was a replicant those scenes where you just like what is he doing that's what he's doing he's like intaking so much information like when he's perusing when he goes to see uh what was it lenny lenny, lenny james lenny james's character and he's like perusing this book and you're wondering is he reading this yes he's reading it just really really fast it,
1: yeah, it put, it it does a good job of establishing you know what his replicant behavior is like, but also I like his kind of his love for nostalgia that he never knew. Like he lives his life with the on a. Uh, De Armas character Joy um where he basically treats it like like a 50s homemaker situation where like he comes home she's dressed up as like a 50s wife and he sits down smokes a cigarette has his dinner like he he's nostalgic for a period he's never been a part of whatsoever but he admires it for some reason there's little details like that that just continue making it just really neat to watch neat to see unfold um there are others uh characters here uh you mentioned Lenny James I mean he's He's Lenny James. I like Lenny James quite a bit uh, from The Walking Dead, among other places. He's a strong character actor. He fits here, but a lot of other people. Dave Batista, who's, you know, he's still newer to the scene. Um, he does a great job in his kind of the kind of the, the small role that he has here. I mean, it's yeah, you, It conveys a sense of, like, here's this who this guy is, and he doesn't have too much to kind of do, but you kind of get an idea of... I mean, it, it helps enhance Gosling's character, but also gives you a bit of what the repl- state of replicants are at this stage. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Jared Leto, a bit. Uh,
4: yes, let's. Uh, Do we have to? We, well, so you
0: we say this, <laughs> and I'll, I will say, i
1: add two things. One, uh, David Bowie was supposed to play this character, or at least that yeah. was that was oh, the initial yeah. idea that have uh, had was having David, David Bowie, which seems kind of perfect. Uh, the right. Man, the man from nowhere, um, but or the man who fell to earth. Um, but, so Leto you know, here. So I, I'm I've been apprehensive against Leto for. Uh, it might be more of a kind of how the media plays it, but just the way he kind of talks up his preparation for roles has really gotten to me. (laughs) So it's, it's made me appreciate him less and less as an actor, because it's like, I don't care what you did to your stars offset or that you apparently blinded yourself temporarily for this role. I just want to see you perform in a movie and shut up now. Um, And he's an artist. But that said, I actually liked him quite a bit in this movie. I, I think he, for the character he's playing, which is a guy that, literally save the world because uh, he, he solved starvation. I would get that he's like this kind of ego driven guy that wants an army of replicants of his own to, you know, create life and what have you like it that I, I found the kind of the, 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 what he's doing in this role made sense to me. And I think his kind of his, his, uh, ambition to play up this kind of role worked to, for what the, what the Wallace character is supposed
4: to be. He felt the most out of the Ridley Scott film character.
1: The the most of it. Sorry, say
4: that again. He felt like he was uh, uh, the most recent alien film. Um, He's he he needed a little bit more for me to into his motivation. uh, um, That's fine. Um, I thought the character and the writing behind the character didn't really fit with the rest of the film.
2: How about you, Russ? Yeah, I I found myself liking. Uh, his performance more than I thought I would. I'm I'm not the biggest Jared Leto fan, just in general. I I d- didn't like his Joker. I, I did, yeah. I, I I'm kind of like with you, Aaron. Sometimes I I get caught up in the shenanigans, um, probably more than I should. But uh, but yeah, I thought I thought he did a fine job. I I uh, I feel like there's you know kind of there was some of the stuff we talk about. I, f- I feel like there's more out of this character that I wanted. Uh, than I got. Um, very, I, I was very intrigued by by what he was, and it, it's interesting um, the the kind of the connection between Wallace and like Tyrell, right? Like Tyrell was killed with uh, Batty putting his thumbs through his eyes um, <laughs> and crushing his skull, um, and he had those ridiculous like thick. Uh, glasses, uh, glass. right? yeah. yeah, yeah, to the extreme. So I thought it was interesting that Wallace is is blind and has these crazy looking eyes and these implants to see. I, I don't know if that, you know, if, if that went into the thought process of creating that character, knowing uh, how Tyrell was, but uh, but I thought it was interesting. But I I, I think one of them one of the best moments I think of the movie was was a scene. Between him and, and Harrison Ford, between him and Deckard, mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought that whole sequence was pretty fantastic.
1: I I agree, and I actually think that's also what helps me like Ford's performance so much because here's a, Ford's the kind of guy who I could see easily responding a lot more to Leto in a different kind of role. But here, he's so patient and so kind of he's doing a lot of reactions and face acting to kind of convey what's going on in his mind, as Lido's, you know, monologuing to him, I was like this is great Ford stuff. <laughs> like this is really good,
3: <laughs> yeah. And good it,
1: work.
2: <laughs> I, I bought the emotional response and the emotional acting that he did in this more so than. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not bagging on his performance in The Force Awakens, but just the emotional scene he had with Kylo Ren and. Um, yeah. At the very end, I, I was very happy with that sequence, that 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 scene in, in that movie. But to me, this kind of ratcheted up uh, for her, for for Ford's performance. Like I bought it way more, um, and was invested way more in in what he was trying to convey in Blade Runner in in, in twenty forty nine than than uh, than Force Awakens.
3: Yeah, totally. It
2: really makes
4: me want to see another Indiana Jones.
1: I mean, like... if he's bringing this, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, like not, that, yeah. Not, not specifically this performance, but if he's bringing this energy, that said, like, as much as I. I'm okay with Crystal Skull. I don't, like, hate it, and my childhood was not terrible where I have one movie ruin it somehow. But <laughs> the... Um, <laughs> Crystal 4 was not
3: the
2: issue with that movie. He was not the... Yeah, no, right, he, he right. brought his
1: game to here. I mean, he was excited to do it and it showed. I just, you know, the movie has its own flaws, but that's besides the point. Um, let's talk about two other characters here because they're both badasses, um, and they do a lot of the heavy lifting as far as being tough characters. Robin Wright and um, Sylvia Hoix, uh, who plays Love, yeah. Jared Leto's kind of right-hand... Who is tough as nails and very intimidating? Um, some good work by them. Wright uh, has less to do; she's just like the lieutenant for Gosling's character. Right. But I mean, between this and like Wonder Woman and even House of Cards, like she's certainly she's making a she's certainly making a certain image for herself these days, as opposed to Princess Buttercup. so... Yeah, I,
0: I sure. you know I, I I thought that her character was all right. I think that as it progressed, it became I became a little bit I became I warmed up more because early on i think that there are some elements of her that really just wants to keep the whole entire piece right of okay well republicans we republicans and humans were humans and She's uh, i just i mean that's really what she is it right is exposition here, yeah. but yeah. also just like her stance of hey man like i'm just using you guys because you guys are a great workforce too but i really want to keep you guys away at bay um because there's like this there's like this the colonel jessup type thing with her of just like the you know we got to be on that wall kind of thing it's like well Okay, I see that. But again, later on where she's starting to warm up and says, like, okay, well, look, you know, I'm going to give you some time to, to do your thing. Um, it's like, oh, well, I see now that uh, perhaps uh, they just maybe they, they didn't flesh out your character as much as, as uh, I would have liked
3: I mean, I, I, I
1: don't necessarily think it's not flashing. I think it's a it's just a, it's an arc for her, like a mini arc in the movie, where you see her go from one place to understanding her position on things, and then you get to a confrontation between her and love, which is, I think, one of the best dialogue scenes in the movies. I think it really pays off as far as where she I, starts and ends.
2: Yeah, I, I like the dialoguing part of that. The way that scene uh, finishes itself left me a little baffled. Um right. And, and there's something else that that was kind of taken on faith with that character that I just kind of scratched my head a little bit. I was like, what? like, really, I don't I, I, I didn't buy <clears throat> I didn't buy that at all. And then, like I said, that that um, the, the last scenes that those two characters shared together, um, love and and uh, and Joshi, I yeah. was I, I just was it did it. it, it yeah, I, I can't really say with us well, anything, but I, I think they wrote <laughs> themselves worked, into a quarter, better, yeah, and we're I like, agree. well, this is how we're getting out of it, and we're moving on. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm
4: really glad Robin writes here and her. Uh, I wanted more from the character. I, I do feel like the later scenes are better done than the the first scenes, which do feel like uh, just exposition. Yeah it's
1: it's, um, yeah, it's it's trite stuff. I mean, it's just kind of there to be like, okay, this is who this is, and this is why you have to do this thing, and I'm going to tell you exactly what it needs to be.
4: Like, yeah, I, I get that. I... It, it just uh, what what sucks about this is I do think the female characters aren't as well developed, and uh, besides Robin Wright's character, I was watching the movie and I was like, wait, besides her, is every female in this movie basically like a slave? it It, it sort of feels like that <laughs> like they are all property or are um, used for the service of, of men in some way, which which kind of didn't sit with me too well. So I'm glad she's here, because she did seem to be the most well-developed female character, but even then she had problems.
0: It and says, then in terms of, oh yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, it says, it's. I mean, I, if there were to be extensions of this universe, I think there's ways for it to go involving some of, some of the female characters that might prove to be, better handled as opposed to a movie like this which I mean I, I reference the fact that there's a lot of female characters and people of color but it is also it is a movie a lot about kind of dudes doing dude stuff uh, for the most part
0: oh, white sure. dudes doing dude stuff
1: yes <laughs> true <laughs> um,
0: in terms of uh, Sylvia, Ho- uh, Sylvia Hoax, Hoax? Yeah. Hox? Yeah. her character I loved her character I think that there was uh, much like uh, Detective K's character I think there's a lot to unpack with her and what's really unique is, again, she's this replicant that's been given this name, and she feels as though she's superior than all other replicants, probably because she's the right hand man to, uh, you know, Wallace Corporation's CEO. And I think that she is in a more advanced, uh, she is a more advanced replicant. But with all that being said, there's, there's like really, uh, man, there's like just these subtle tones to her too of just. Uh, the way that she like cries when she's uh, when she's seeing like the birth of more replicants, or mm. um, and it's like what is this tick there? And I love when she has this battle with Ryan Gosling later, and she says I'm better than you are, and it's just like you know there's this really uh, interesting social status characteristics about uh, these replicants in this world, which I found amazing.
1: Well, I think it. With K and love, I think it kind of divides batty's character. I think both of them have both qual- qualities of what Rutger Howe mm-hmm. was in the original movie which I, I did find interesting. It's like well what if we had this kind of emotional replicant that was learning things and growing as it went along but we also have this one that's you know it's all power and might but uh, but also subservient to another character. and that's why mm-hmm. I think love is an effective you know counter to the to K as far as she's incomplete she's she's completely in control um through jared or jared Leto controls her completely as far as what her actions are and whatnot but she still like you mentioned Dave does get out these levels of emotion as far as you know doing one thing but her face says another right um, and i if there was anything to explore in future movies it, i think it would be the kind of the model of replicant that jared that that currently exists on earth that are legally uh, they're the ones that are that serve the wallace corporation too i guess as far as mm-hmm how that how that develops inside of that where where that where that journey takes them as far as who they are and what they think about humanity and replicants and what it is to be human and all that
4: ABC, you mentioned something here that makes me uh, makes me want to think about this a little bit more. But her character does sort of represent some of the the class hierarchy in um, in the replicants, and mm-hmm. that that's a pretty cool thread right there. You know, this idea that artificial life would they recreate some of the social injustices that that sort of hum, humans do and humans right. have and humans struggle with, um, and that's something. That a lot of science fiction, when it comes to AI, they're so uh, protective of their in-group. It's always AI versus humans. Right. But this idea that there might be a, uh, there's going to be problems within AI, and uh, that's interesting. And are they having those problems within AI because they're so modeled after humans? You know, there's so you could kind of go around and around about that. That very right. interesting thing to unpack. Well,
0: there's and a, I,
1: I sorry, well, there's, to, to speak on that, there's also mm-hmm. this kind of this notion of what replicants really want out of their their quote unquote life. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, if there would have to be like some kind of spoiler talk in another episode or something, but I do think, I do think there's, I mean, there's a point when Kay's character learns something um, that's actually not true or not what he expected. And the response to that from another character is that, you know, all all replicants want this, and I think right. that that speaks to this. What I was I mentioned briefly earlier this kind of idea of uh, hints at some sort of religion or some kind of ideology within replicants that I think would be very interesting to explore and in some kind of other other media. Just as far as what replicants really think and what they aspire to be, knowing, right? Al- already knowing that they're not human to begin with,
0: yeah. Um, and to bring it back full circle, that again, that's why I think that it's really interesting that we have the the gossing train to take us as as the. Uh, you know the movie Avatar, right? You know he's the rump- replicant. It's going through all this stuff. There's it, questions posed by a Robin Wright's character of like, hey, you know, okay, what do you think? What you think you got a soul here? And he's just like, uh, no, I, I don't. Um, but then later, his face kind of just <laughs> says mm. maybe I do. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I actually love the the line later when she's like, tell me a story. It's like I feel weird telling you a story of, of a memory that that <laughs> never existed because I was never a child. Uh, and I was like, you know, it, it, it's. Uh, it's a ghost in the shell movie that is better than the, the one that we got last year. So, or is it this year? Um, this year. but this year. yeah, so it's, it's, it's trying to answer these or it's actually just asking these questions and maybe not necessarily looking for answers, which I think I appreciated a lot about it. Oh, it's exploring. Right.
1: It's exploring these questions in a more interesting ways. Yeah, it's double downing on it as opposed to apologizing for, you know, race bending. <laughs> <So it's>...
4: <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? What I love about these Blade Runner films is we never even see inside of a replicant.
0: Like oh, we, yeah. we don't
4: yes. no, we don't need to see and and have it demonstrated to us that yes these are synthetic life forms like that the acting the writing um everything else sort of sells it so um it, it, what I love about that is you can have those moments where you're just watching Ryan Gosling and then he says something like well you know I, I yeah I can tell you this memory but it's not even real okay. um and sort of we're we're kind of shocked into kind of thinking about all of this and asking these questions, um, that Blade Runner does that so well.
1: What did you guys think of the score by Hans Zimmer and... Uh, I, was waiting for us to talk. Yeah. I thought it was all right. Uh,
2: I I would have liked a little more Vangelis, to be honest with you. Yes. Uh, I know there were some homages there, obviously, and I don't know, maybe in a two-hour and 45-minute movie, you, you didn't want to... Like, maybe that would have been too much, mm-hmm. but... Um, I I, personally, I think I think it should have it should have aired more on that side than the Vangelis side. Like, I I wanted to hear more of that style in the movie. Yeah, we we
4: did need to have more saxophone, but we did need to have more of the (laughs) we did need a little bit more of the original score here. I know there was some drama. The original composer was sort of let go. Um, and and Hans Zimmer and that um, was Walfish. the other yeah they were brought in there's about uh, two or three sequences in, in the film that I think are well scored but it um, the original combined the visuals the acting and the score to really um, emphasize certain moments really well and I thought the score here it didn't Hold its weight against the visuals and the acting. Like it, it, the cinematography and the acting were at another level, and the score was just not up to par.
1: I can agree, um because Blade Runner has such a unique score to it, and this is Zimmer and walfish doing more or less their thing. I, I, because I, so I remember, yeah, uh, Johan Johansson who worked with Villeneuve on his past three movies, Sicario, like, yeah, Sicario, Prisoners, vol- and, arri- and Arrival. Yeah, um, I I know he got, I mean, fi- I mean, it's probably another way to phrase it, but he got he got fired off the movie, uh, and so they can do something that was, quote-unquote, more more like Vangelis. That was the reason that Villeneuve gave. That he wanted to make it something more in line of the original, and they got Hans Zimmer and Walfish. I wasn't aware of who did it, I or at least I forgot, basically. And seeing the credits, saying Hans Zimmer and Walfish, Hans Zimmer specifically, I was like, okay, that's not surprising, actually, listening to the score, because it does feel... And especially because Zimmer's been doing, he does interesting things sometimes, and other times just kind of rides on of what he's already been doing. And this feels more or less like that, like he's kind of riding on other things he's done in the past, um, which is a shame. I do think there are, like you mentioned, Ali, there's some solid moments here. I think that really that that work well with some of the better scenes in the film. Um, but as a score overall, yes, it's not, it doesn't have a kind of haunting quality that that Blade Runner has.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and as much as I think saxophone is out of place in most movies in modern times for some reason, <laughs> I wouldn't have minded it. Like, the one I think of always is always is um, is uh, Watchmen, actually. There's a scene in. Oh,
3: yeah. Uh, there's a scene sure. in, g-
1: generally around uh, Patrick Wilson as, as Night Owl where every time they play saxophone, it seems like the most melodramatic soundtrack
3: choice they could have made. So it feels like
1: it feels more like uh, like Riggs and Lethal Weapon feeling sad as opposed to like something that's supposed to be taken seriously. Um, where it's just like... Duh, duh,
3: duh, duh,
1: like and, and so I don't know if this movie necessarily needed that in the same way that the 80s really works with that kind of tone. But yeah, I, it is a shame that a movie like this that has so many other things working for it production-wise doesn't have this kind of towering score. But also, I mean johansson was you know taken off the film and zimmer and are brought on in july i'm seeing so i mean
4: yeah it's, that's it's not too time. bad that's not I no wish... time
1: there's a there's a score here but i mean there, I, you can see there being a, a you know more time to put in something that's really definitive for something like this right
4: uh, the, the the music that you hear in the first trailer um just yeah. does seem to to strike the right balance um um, and it, it's too bad. Uh, Hans Zimmer had a, I loved his score for Dunkirk. Um, yep. It was it it, it it wasn't the normal um, Hans Zimmer score that you hear. Um, so it's too bad. I do like because
1: like you hear those 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 tones, those like really ominous tones that begin the first film and they come back a lot in this movie. I like that every time that happens.
2: Kind of like chimes. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Well,
1: that but also just kind That's of like fun. the. the like it's just kind of this. Oh yeah. It, like it's literally the first thing you hear in the first. In it, the first yeah,
0: movie. It, yeah. And Oh yeah. It really, it really makes everyone shut up and when that, they're yeah, watching that, it. Yeah, right. And that right. pops
1: up in this one like a, a, a few. It's like, I think it happens right when he gets to orange. Right when that happens,
0: it like it does. Yeah, it, again, it, does. And it happens like, again. Yeah.
1: And I'm yeah. like, oh cool. All right, this is like step three of the movie. <laughs> 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 uh,
2: we didn't. I was. I was. I was disappointed. We didn't get the, um, the the Japanese lady on the. On the blimp billboard
3: oh, thing,
1: right? I, I kept. I have to see it again. I, I'm curious if there is any kind of specific reference to that. But yeah, it is. It is like more, one of the more iconic images from the first film as well. But, uh,
2: that was the other interesting thing with this one. Again, not to be spoilery. So it kind of mo- like there was a v- very much an infusion of Chinese, Japanese, American culture. Uh, In the first one, it it was very Asian Mm -hmm. Asian American fusion in uh, in the first one. Explain this one.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, And this one they threw in like Russian. Like there was a very strong like and not not just like Russia, but Soviet Union. Like I forget there's one there's one part in the movie where uh, I can't remember where it's written, but it actually says USSR. It doesn't. You know, yeah. It yeah, yeah, see yeah, yeah, so like again, very, it carries uh, forward. Yeah. You know, uh, you know that that that, that never went away. That makes me. You wonder also see if, some
4: uh, uh Sanskrit, and so there's some Indian influence. It's, it, it is uh I was surprised by that, and I like that. I like that they're showing uh some evolution that happened that they don't explain, but you kind of have to like make it up in your head. And right. whoa, it yeah.
1: it makes it makes me wonder because they have um, Hampton Fancher who scripted the, mm-hmm. the the first film and was a co-writer on this film it makes me wonder if he had ideas like that in the original version that might be somewhat in there but maybe brought that more out in his writing in this film um if that if, like occurred to him at all is like especially if the ussr thing is something like that where you know that's from a time where we're still in the cold war if you wanted to like keep you know so we already talked about kind of this somewhat the... alternate reality idea of what this yeah. future is and maybe like that's still an aspect that they kind of it, put a little, especially because it you know longer and has more detail, just given the length and technology and what have you. I mean, they could have purposely tried to add more of some ideas that maybe he and even Philip K. Dick might have had as far as conceptually for the world that this film takes place in.
2: It, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of people don't realize it. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on the first movie given to atmosphere and the look uh, and, and how things were done. And if, if that movie had a full budget, like if, if that movie had the budget of 2049, that movie would have looked a lot different because the reason things were filmed at night that there was a lot of smoke and smog and everything was they just didn't have the budget to film during the day and build the sets and mm-hmm. do things during the day, whereas when you do it at night and you put a lot of smoke and stuff, it covers over all the stuff they couldn't afford to do. So... In a way, the limitations of the budget gave us what we remember most about that first movie, uh, more so than anything else.
1: Well, that's why noir resonates so much with people as far as why those films stand up and are so different than other things, because they're they're cheap crime movies you know you know we've talked about this before on the podcast and any, anybody else that knows the genre of film noir is like people don't people in the you know 30s to 50s they didn't set out and be like let's make a film noir guys Or are like no that's just what the movie became after the fact because of the low budgets they had to work with and the kind of yep. an, ambition the directors had to film shots and make it look a certain way so it'd be somewhat appealing but you know it's only after the fact where the genre of film noir became a more of a thing, and you can explore the various themes that connected these movies and what have you, and that's what Blade Runner was comment, you know, is that's that was part of what it was doing as well. Where yeah, you're exactly right, Russ, where it is a situation where Ridley Scott wants to make an ambitious sci-fi movie based on Philip K. Dick novel, and it has this detective story going on, but you're only going to get so much to work with, and the technology is only so far as far as cinematics to make a, a whole you know futuristic world come to life so what do you do well you make it for the budget and you do as best you can And that happened to be one of the most influential side movies of all time um but it it has a very specific look and yeah this movie well they
0: clearly didn't have enough vision like tommy wiseau building the set to make it look like the alleyway (laughs) exactly but this
1: movie it does have you know it has a grander scope i guess just because of yes it has kind of you know do anything money to go with it but I do like that it it almost feels like it's dialing down the noirish aspect to kind of go in a different direction. Yeah. Rightfully yeah. so, because why would you want just another retread of the thing you saw already? Unless it's Star Wars, and then you make a billion dollars. But I mean, it's because of that
3: reason itself, a
0: billion dollars.
1: But I, I mean, it can work both ways, because you know, for every, Blade, for every Blade Runner, you also get a Mad Max Fury Road sometimes too, which is you know exactly mm. like the other Mad Max movies. It's just fucking awesome. So it's like I don't know, like it's. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's a really good score yeah it, with, a, with a great score exactly yeah. so, Um. anything else we can say about Blade Runner? we've been talking about it for quite a bit yeah, we should give our rating yeah, okay. Uh, okay. when should people <laughs> go and see this movie when would you say people should see Blade Runner 2049 let's start with
4: Ali uh, now you need to see this on the big screen Um, or if you have a 4K TV maybe <laughs> you can wait <laughs> mm-hmm. no I mean this is you gotta see this on the big screen did anyone um, see it if, in
1: IMAX by the way
4: I did not No, No, but it's full aspect ratio, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go see it again just for that. I want to see this on the big screen a a few times um, just because it's such a feast, such a visual feast.
2: Russ? I I would say if you weren't a huge fan of the first one, then I would wait. Uh, If you did like the first one, then I would say, yeah, definitely go out and see it.
0: I definitely give this a theater, and I agree with uh, Ali that I'm I'm trying to catch it again, maybe not an IMAX, but definitely like in a in a quality theater, like a Dolby theater or something like that, where um, the visuals and the sound can really be uh, heightened.
1: I, yeah, I would I would agree with Russ's sentiments. Where I do, I I would certainly say see this in a theater, see it in IMAX, see it as big as you can, because it's just a, such a fantastic visual movie to kind of behold and take in, and has such a concentrated you know thoughts on certain things and it's unlike a lot of things out there it's 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 it falls in line of those very expensive art movies that happen to be as big you know budget studio film something like i don't know like Watchmen. actually i mean that's (laughs)
3: there's
1: a lot going on in a movie that's not that simple um and yet they got the budget to do anything anyway um but yes it is very much like the original blade runner and so it's it it has a certain mood to it that if you're not expecting that you better get ready to, to expect it because it's not going to be a move that plays fast and loose with its ideas it's going to take its time and do stuff but certainly <laughs> i mean given that this movie exists and it's the way it is i recommend seeing it just because it is different than a, you know plenty of things that you'll see that have the same kind of budget this year and so yeah with that i think that's going to conclude our talk on blade Runner. we're going to keep moving yeah. on before we get to feedback, I know, Ali, I, uh, we've been talking way too long about this movie, so unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately we're going to have to uh, say goodbye to you now. But uh, where can people find more of you online?
4: Oh, you can find me on brainnosbetter.com uh, dot where I write about the psychology of science fiction. I wrote a, some, uh, it, it took me hours and hours and hours. I, I was trying to write 500 words, non-spoilers on the meaning of Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, um, which ended up being really hard, but that's up there. And you can also find me on uh, youtube.com slash the psych show where I make psychology fun and easy to understand.
0: All right. Awesome. Well Lily,
1: yeah. thank you very much for joining us. For thank play you discussion. for being on. Awesome to have you on.
4: Yeah. So fun talking to you guys. And uh congratulations again on three hundred and one.
3: Oh well.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Um, I mean three hundred and one is what we've really been striving for. So that's, that's actually that's, yeah, that's it's a secret. Three secret
4: awesome. hundred's easy, but <laughs> <laughs> to, to not first one. If you want to cool.
0: wake up and get out of bed for three hundred and one, you've done it.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Ali. Yeah, yeah see right. you guys. Okay. See ya.
1: All right, Russ. It's just you and us as we keep going here. We're uh...
0: all out of bubblegum.
1: <laughs> well, let's
0: let's move into the feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback.
1: This is where we go over the various questions and answers from our Facebook page. Facebook.com is Shot Now Podcast. We asked a number of questions for you, the listener, and then you, the listener, gave us questions that you can you know, we'll, we'll try to provide you we'll, answers
3: with.
0: We'll try to answer for you. Yeah. yeah. For us, free free to to, answer uh, for some of the questions that we posted to our, our audience here. The first question is, what's your favorite non-Indiana Jones, Han Solo, Deckard Harrison, Ford performance? Jason has, the best performance is either Anchorman 2 or Air Force 1. He then adds, paranoia, because the scene between him and Gary Oldman is... Who can be the loudest? Oh, wait, it's also the grumpiest scene. So, good on you, Jason. Uh, Chris has Witness. That's my answer. Tammy has Patriot Games. Manish has Working Girl. Lastly, Matthew has The Fugitive.
1: Yeah, I think Witness is a fantastic film, and Harrison Ford's fantastic. fantastic film.
0: He builds a house. A he barn?
1: A, a <laughs> barn, among other things, yes. <laughs> Rusty, have a favorite uh, non- Non Harrison uh, Jones solo Deckard performance, from Harrison Ford.
2: Um, probably. Hmm, I would say Working Girl. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Good.
2: I think. I, it's funny. I always thought, man, he got robbed on that movie. Like everybody got nominated for except, their him, yeah. <laughs> except him. And he, he clearly had the best performance in that movie. Um, but, but yeah, I would say, I would say working girl, a little unconventional, but, but yeah,
1: it's a good pick. I like it.
2: Next question we ask is what's your
1: favorite Denny villain film? Uh, Joe writes, certainly not Blade Runner 2049, two hours and 45 minutes of my life gone. That movie should have been an hour and a half thumbs down clown smile and poop i don't know why he said that uh farron writes well now it's blade runner 2049 but i would have said arrival before that love me some sci-fi chris writes love his films sicario and prisoners dennis (laughs) i was gonna say denny dennis writes haven't seen much of his work but sicario marcus robinson run of the show writes enemy of course and i agree with (laughs) him um and manish writes arrival hands down
0: yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that Denny is really good at all those movies. Uh, if I had to choose one that I could watch uh, again, um, it would be Sicario, actually. I, I like Arrival, but that weird CG thing when she floats up to the spaceship really throws me off a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Like, that's it, the it does bother me.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah, for me, it's a, it's a toss-up between Blade Runner and Sicario. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like yeah I thought I thought he I thought Sicario was a very very well directed movie yeah Um. I was not so big on Arrival and I think that had more to do with the story than uh, than his direction to be honest with you you don't like Abbott and Costello
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like all of his films not prisoners a lot so I mean <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: prisoners well shot though. It's well shot. Deacons does some good work in there. And, uh, <laughs> and Jake, Jake, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal Jake does some good
1: like, it's weird Because I feel like I always want to come down on Prisoners, but I think it's okay. I just, I, I it, think it's the, a long
3: the, movie, though.
1: I, well, it's also one that I just never want to watch again. Like I, I have no desire to be like, yep, let me put Prisoners on, because why not? And like he makes some dark movies, and I want to watch those again. Like, I've watched Sicario like four times now at this
0: point. Same here, yeah. I've watched it like um, five,
1: six times. But Enemy is awesome, and it's like 90 minutes. It's, it's, it's so like, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah, get yeah, in and out great. on this one, and it's great. If you want to see Hall be great, watch Enemy. There's two Halls. So.
0: <laughs> One's not who he seems to be.
3: Uh, or
1: both are question. who they
0: seem to be. You don't know. The movie's that good. <laughs> <laughs> what does anything mean? Uh, the next question. What are some notable, uh, name some notable evil or good rarer sci-fi corporations from films you think stand out? George has Kronos from The Giver, which is an anime, which is a great anime. I loved that as a kid. Uh, Greg has the weyland Utani Corporation is the first thing that comes to mind for the show. Amy writes Blue Sun from Firefly Serenity. Hmm. Lastly, Joe has By and Large, which is a great uh, Wally callback.
1: That was actually my, like it's easy to say weyland Utani, but By and Large was the one I thought just because those I,
0: guys are straight up evil.
1: They are, but I also love the fact that Fred Willard's the one leading them. <laughs> like, that always made me <laughs> laugh when Fred Willard showed up in that movie; he's the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any corporations come to mind russ any like sci-fi corps
2: yeah weyland yutanis yeah. is like number one it just it, yeah 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 makes sense great logo too oh yeah. yes mm-hmm. yes
1: uh next question what's your favorite relationship between two non-human beings image is not necessarily a spoiler because i didn't want to reveal certain things about the movie until right. now um <laughs> jason <still> have it. <laughs> Jason writes scarlett johansson and bill Nye and her okay so the so, was Bill Nye? And her? He's the other operating system.
0: Ah, um, uh, I guess the got one like you. later
1: okay. on they get introduced. Um, <laughs> although I'm question, I'm curious. If, was it Bill Nye or another British actor? Because I'm not quite remembering right now. <laughs> I don't um, know. Cool. Um, but I'll look that up in a second. Uh, Joe writes Wally and Eve, and Luke and Darren writes Wally and Eve. Um, so yeah. Um, the next uh, the next question we have is a favorite detective story um cynthia writes the silence of the lambs and the secret in their eyes the original version um since she also adds zodiac all yeah. good detective stories uh yeah. george writes gone baby gone and nathan writes mississippi burning
0: it's good. sorry i really like "Silence of the lambs that was that was a good answer
1: i i mean the la confidential comes to mind right away that's that's one of my true ultimates.
0: that's that's a good one too russell crowe breaking that chair yeah and speaking of
1: uh, prisoners
0: uh, seven i think is a pretty, uh, I know, it's one of my favorite films i mean it's a detective story he turns himself in no it, i'm just kidding it's, 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 about.
1: <laughs> brian cox it's not bill nye it's brian cox brian cox in, okay in
0: I was like, Bill Nye was in there. Maybe he was I'm, one of the uh, maybe he was one of the um, you know the consumers of it.
1: I knew what he was referring to, but I couldn't think of it being Bill Nye. But yeah, it's Brian Conner.
0: Unless he's talking about another Bill Nye vehicle, uh, where he
2: voices an AI system. Sure. Russ, did anyway. you have any
1: favorite detective stories?
2: Um. Yeah. I, I'm. I, I like Dolly Confidential. Man, I I could probably think of a thousand. Yeah. I, uh,
3: a off off I,
2: yeah. It's just like. Uh, um it's like when, when you're on the spot it's like your brain goes <laughs> blank it's like crazy uh,
0: if you think of it you just shout it out randomly that's what we do on the show
2: yeah uh,
0: at any point in the show <laughs> we'll move into questions now that uh, the audience asked us uh alessandro asks us what old or classic movie would you actually like to see a sequel to for example goonies 2 et2 uh what do you guys think
1: his examples are hilarious. Um, <laughs> what older classics, So, like, what other, like,
0: reboot cool do I need to see? Um, huh. Well, I'm going to see the one that I want to see, which is uh, The Predator with Shane Black writing and directing. Well, like, you've uh, gotten, like, plenty of sequels over the years to Predator movies. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, that's one that I do want to see uh
1: fair I, but, guess. I mean it's just like it's not like that's been a long-standing dormant like you've
0: seen yeah yeah of that's true i, I mean and say, yeah. predator 2 with danny glover i mean we got to do a commentary on that <laughs> still
1: yes predator, <laughs> predator 2 is on our long list of commentaries we should do eventually um well you know speaking of, i mean think of la confidential there is a follow-up book um, from James Olroy to that, that was all that uh, white jazz, I believe, which I think mm. Joe, Joe Carnahan was actually going to do for a long time before he got before that just fell through. Um, but I, I mean, you know, I'm about interesting worlds. I think I do think the, the world of LA Confidential and the kind of detectives involved in that, I think that'd be interesting to see more of
0: hashtag Rollo Tomasi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: It's so hard to, to think of it because everything has had either a sequel or a reboot or like. There's not many properties that are truly untouched. I, I have no desire to see anything further with E. T. Yeah. Uh I I was not I I was not and am not a fan of E. T.
1: Well, I'm a big fan of VT, but I just don't know like what is it come back. Like I don't, I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What like Elliot's like, I feel know, like forty years
0: old the, working at a sales
1: job. The, the univer the universal ride, I think, does enough. You know, you you spent mentioned that Henry Thomas. i kept I keep seeing pop up in things lately. I'm like, well, that's what he looks like is now. Is he really? Okay, that's good. He's, he's in all, Gerald's game. He's in Gerald's game, yeah. He's
2: yeah.
3: he's
1: oh. not a good person in that movie
3: either. Yep. That yep. He's
1: not Elliot, that's for sure. Elliot. Um, I mean I yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: I mean, the, given its popularity, I would like to see them do a proper, like, maybe two or three film cycle of The Stand, which is my favorite book of all time. Uh, and they, they've done a TV version of that in the 90s that was passable. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in it, but I think with the success of It, you'll mo- you're will more than likely going to see that at some point now. I mean, if they, can, if they can make that work. I'm sure Warner Brothers is like, let's get our hands on The Stand and do that also. Like, I, I mean... So basically, Russ, your dreams will come true, I think, at some point. (laughs) I I hope so. Uh, What's the next question? Uh, Gary asks, have you guys thought of doing Out Now on YouTube? Gary, we have done Out Now on
0: YouTube, kind of. Uh, (laughs) Kind of. I think we'll get back to it sometime later.
1: We used to separate just the reviews out from these shows and put them onto YouTube. But I think you might be referring to, like, should we, like, film a
0: show or... and ridiculous uh, shenanigans, talking
1: about stuff on the line? We'll see. We, we've, t- we've discussed this. I mean, as, we, we've
0: as, discussed doing our workout videos, you know, Taibo <laughs> style, but that's coming out in, in 2017, uh, 18, 2018.
1: Uh, but we've, ta- we've talked about doing somehow trying to do like live shows in the past or what, like specifically like filming us in some way or something. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. But uh.
0: And lastly, Dennis asks, what is your favorite sequel that you didn't have high hopes for, but liked or loved it instead?
1: That's well, a good question. This one falls in the line there because, I again, yeah. I, I was very impressed, but more so than I was expecting with it. And yep. I don't tend to get you know surprised very much by films these days. I'm more or less, regardless of how much I like it or dislike it, I'm pretty much on the line of I'm probably going to think this way about it. So when that <laughs> actually happens, I'm like, oh, cool. That worked out really well.
0: Um, I echo that sentiment about Blader in 2049.
1: Like, I didn't. Like, I did not think I was going to love Mad Max Fury Road just based off seeing what I was seeing before it came out. So, I, like, I wasn't surprised that it was fucking fantastic. <laughs> so. Um, but what sequel did I not have high hopes for? I'm trying to think.
0: I, I feel like I just.
1: That I up got
0: recently. Yeah. I feel like I just, you know.
1: I mean, I guess a long time ago, like, when I was first seeing the Godfather films, I, you know, I'm younger, so I didn't. I, I already heard, I heard more about how part three wasn't living up to it than, you know, what, like, so like, you know, re, you know finally seeing those films for the first time, uh, <laughs> it's like, okay, that actually, I think works pretty well. It's not nearly as good as the, as part as, you know one and two, but I do think there's a lot of merit. And I think time has come around on that as well. I don't think it, I, people can still complain about certain aspects of Godfather part three, but I do think that it works better by, than I was expecting it to, being one that was coming in, you know, late on the franchise, based off my right. age.
0: Um, same with like. I mean, ones. you you could have time traveled to go see it live in, in have, the yeah,
2: theater, of, of course. I I'll go way back. Well, uh-huh. not way back, way back, but um, I would say Terminator Two, um,
3: oh, because you I high on it.
2: Well, so I loved the first one, and then when they talked about doing a second one, in and, and several years had passed, I was like man, I don't know if they're going to be able to do this, you know, and top the, the first one. And then when it came out, it was just phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, the question was like that lived up to like, you didn't have high hopes for, but then was actually good. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, the other one I'll say is lethal weapon too. Huh.
3: Okay. Oh.
2: Um, because I saw the first one and I was like, Meh. okay, sure. And they were going to do, do another one. And I was like, okay, sure. And, uh, and I love the Weapon* too. Mm. Um, it's it's very very good. Um, so yeah, so that was that was that was one that that like you know kind of back back when.
1: There's that's a good answer. There's like I, there's minor stuff that's not like great, but like that I it like I like where like like uh, like Ouija Origin of Evil* or *Annabelle Creation*, where the first movie sucks so much, where it's like. Okay, that. But at the same time, I was still kind of anticipating those just because I like the directors involved in them, so I wasn't. Right, su- right. I wasn't too surprised. Maybe Cars Two, like since Abe and I are the only ones that like Cars Two, <laughs> seemingly. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't. One. Like I didn't love. We don't love Cars Two, but it's still like I'm not huge on Cars One, so I think
0: I was surprised. That's a that, solid that, answer there because I, after coming out of Cars Cars, you you would think, well, I guess now we have to watch Cars Two because it's coming out, and then yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by it.
3: Yeah.
2: So that's an answer. I think <laughs> to, to stay on the James Cameron train, I think Aliens was another one. That, okay, and and two part of it is you got to consider the time, right? Like this is pre-internet.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: you know, it's all word of mouth or yeah. log or whatever magazine. Paul and so,
0: was hot on the map.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and Alien was just such a phenomenon and so well regarded and respected, and it was kind of this. You know more horror than sci-fi, uh, and then here the guy that did Terminator is going to do a follow-up to Aliens, and you're just like, what? And then you saw it, and you're just, you know, just blown away. It was really good. Yeah, it became like an action movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I like this question because I'm like, I'm trying so hard to think about sequels that I really I know, wasn't looking yeah. forward to that I like ended up loving like a lot, and I just keep, I keep thinking it like there's a lot of movies I saw after the fact because just. It just, you know, it's
2: hard ever. to do nowadays because you pretty much it's very hard to kind of get surprised yes. by something like you, you. We know so much, you know, between trailers, between news, between everything else that you've you got a pretty good indication of what something's going to be. And it's very hard for it to to, you know, for you to be completely one way on a movie and then go see it and be completely the other way, especially in a sequel you know situation because
1: well, like sequels by nature are a product so like you're yeah. you're, you're you're going in with a you you re- you're not going into a sequel hoping it's going to be bad like you're and you you, you yeah. have a level you have a level of expectation so it's, I, I
2: I yeah I think unfortunately the the reverse of that question is true more way more often than than the other way around right yeah which
0: which is why it's like a very good question yeah,
3: yeah.
0: I'll have to revisit that at uh, a later time too like I'm just wrap, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the idea of this, but
1: now, yeah, it's a good one. All right, let, let's move on. though. let's get. to, Well, that was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's uh, let's move on to um. Let's move on to games. Or what do we call it, Abe? What do we, I got distracted. <laughs> I, well, I got. So let me tell no, you. I'll it, tell you. I'll tell you're this. right. Uh, I was
0: waiting for the xylophone. Well, this
1: is what <laughs> happened. So I. So the iOS 11 came out. And that messed up a lot You're of apps. You're updating ap- your phone? That No, that messed up a lot of apps. And I was concerned that my, my xylophone wasn't going to work anymore. And so I had to download a new xylophone.
0: And sure oh, enough. how dare they.
1: It's back and better than ever. I mean, that's that's what we got That here.
0: sounds That sounds terrific. And that was the improv thing for games. Of course, yeah. It was the improv thing for games. Abe, do you have a game for us this week? I do have a game for you guys. Very quick. It's uh, On a Scale of Love, Same Name, Sequels Edition. So I'll name you guys a movie, and you guys will take turns trying to figure out what the Rotten Tomatoes score was for this sequel that bears the same name as its predecessor, minus a part two or, you know, this seems some other sequel.
1: Okay, we're going to say the, the Rotten Tomatoes score for what? The original or the sequel? <laughs> the
0: sequel! <laughs> the sequel, okay. Here we go, here we go. Price is right rules do not apply, so if you go over and you're still closer, you're going to win. Okay. All right. The Godfather Part 2. Russ, what do you think Rotten Tomatoes has
2: scored this? 97.
0: And Aaron? That was going to be mine, so I'll say 99. You could have said 97. I would have gone to a tiebreaker. It's, it's exactly 97, so yeah, Russ, no, no, you no, no, get right. that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be one Story. of those
1: rare 100s or not.
0: So. Toy Story 2. Aaron? Actually, I think that is one of those rare 100 on the dots, okay. so I'm going to say 100. Russ?
2: I'm going to say 92.
0: It's exactly 100. Yeah, Aaron, like, you get it up.
2: It's like one of the few.
0: It's like exactly 100%. Yeah. Wow.
2: Because <laughs> who Back- doesn't like Toy Story 2? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Back to the Future 2. Russ? 76. Aaron? I'll,
2: I'll, I'll say
0: 83. Russ, you were closer. It is 63. Oh, wow. That's low. I know. What's up with that? It got a 7.8 on IMDb, though. What's 3? Do you know?
3: I don't know
0: offhand, but now I'm looking it up. I'll look. I got it. You keep going. Okay. Evil Dead 2. Aaron.
1: Love Evil Dead 2, and I think people loved it too. That
0: would rate it and put it on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm gonna say 90. 90. Okay. I'm gonna say 65. 65. It is 98%. Oh yeah! Wow. (laughs) Aaron, you get that one.
2: Because Evil Dead 2 is
0: awesome.
2: <laughs> For sure it is. I just um, didn't think the critics thought so as well. I wasn't sure either. I was actually critics surprised.
0: Critics love that. Evil Dead.
1: <laughs> Back to the Future Part 3 is 74%. So yeah, 74.
0: Yeah. Oh, higher than Back to the Future Part 2? Yeah, they're wrong.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. That does not surprise
0: me. Uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Aaron? Uh, 96. Russ?
2: 92.
0: It is 93. Russ, you win that one. Iron Man Two, Russ, eighty four. And Aaron, Iron Man Two, Iron Man Two. Oh, I think that's. I think I'll, I'll go like sixty nine. It's it's seventy three. So Aaron, you get that one. All right, that was close. Die Hard Two, Die Harder. Uh, Aaron, mm. that could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> like i
1: know ebert loved it he didn't like the first diehard but he gave like three and a half stars out of four so, but, but that doesn't speak to everybody that should
0: be a new game i'm gonna do the ebert scale next you time. don't want
1: to play that because i know i'm great at that game you know <laughs> so all of them? Okay, i'm okay. really good with ebert scores <laughs>
0: um
1: we should test that just to see how good i am with ebert scores now <laughs> that you say that uh let's see Die Hard 2
0: die harder i'll say 71 okay and russ 60 it is 69, so Aaron, you get that Ooh, one. Right. Hmm. Mission Impossible 2. Russ? 70. And Aaron? That might even be rotten, but I'm not sure. I'll say, I'm going to say 55. It is 57. Wow! Right? Nice. <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Aaron?
1: On Rotten, so Spider-Man 2...
0: Run to minimum score.
1: I feel like it's surprisingly lower than I than one would expect, given the regard that movie has. I want, I'm going to say like 80,
0: 83. Okay. And Russ? 95. It is 94. Russ, Ooh, you okay. are back.
1: Never mind. Sorry, Spider Man 2. Critics love Sam Raimi. What am I talking <laughs> about? <laughs>
0: it's Evil Den, <dead>, Spider Man. <laughs> Even yeah. Spider-Man
1: Three is fresh. I guarantee you, it's probably like, it's probably. I'm pretty higher. sure that
0: it, it probably could be, even though it's like at seventy some odd. I'll reward. look that up too. You keep going. Lethal <laughs> Weapon Two, Russ,
2: eighty-five,
0: and Aaron.
1: Spider-Man Three sixty-three, so it's just barely fresh. Um, okay. Lethal Weapon Two, I will say uh,
0: seventy-nine. It is eighty-three, Russ. Ooh. You get that? that I think you guys are explaining the difference there. But in any case, uh, The Hangover Part 2. Aaron? <laughs> um,
1: 62.
0: And Russ? 55. 33. Ooh, so Russ, people, that uh... one. Men in Black 2. Aaron? Oh, that's a garbage fire. Um... <laughs> Men in Black 37. And Russ?
2: 75.
0: 75? Yeah. It's 39. Oof. So wow. You get that one. Everyone was right on
1: the Men in Black 2. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, a few more here.
0: Blade 2. Cruise Control.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Russ, Blade 2. Uh, 80. And Aaron I'll say 60. It is 57 so Aaron, you get that one.
1: in wow. yeah, The Blade movie like the first Blade's also low which is kind of surprising like. Blade not, 2 is a good movie. they're both the first two are both good movies but they're That's like they're true. like weirdly mixed. Like was, yeah.
2: I would have thought with Del Toro that would
1: Well he wasn't Perhaps. like I mean he he was coming off of what Devil's Backbone but he wasn't like in Pan's Labyrinth where like everybody suddenly knew who Guillermo del Toro
0: was <laughs> like. Yeah. Like, All right. Two more. Uh, scream two. Russ.
2: Ooh. Um sixty.
1: And Aaron? Best in the franchise, my opinion.
0: <laughs> um I'll say seventy three. It is eighty one, so
2: Aaron,
3: Ooh. you get that one. Wow.
0: Last one here. Robocap two. Ooh. Aaron? Hmm.
1: Let's see, Peter Weller kills a little kid, no, Ed
0: 209 or something. I don't think he kills a little, kid. Kid. Well, uh, Ed 209 does, yeah. 209 no, 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 not Ed 209. The let's, put other. It,
1: let's put it this way, there's a little kid, he's a crime boss, and he gets shot up horribly in that
0: yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's Yeah Yeah from the Sandline. Yeah.
1: It is Yeah Yeah from
0: the Sandline, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like how you named him a crime boss. He is, he's like a little just mob boss. because he wears a suit. But he is a little mob boss. Like,
2: oh, Frank right.
3: Miller.
1: Yeah, Frank Frank Miller penned RoboCop 2. Uh, Tom Noonan's good at it. Um RoboCop two. I don't know, it's pre- it's pretty dark. Uh
0: oh, like weird. I'll say fifty one. Okay, and Russ?
2: Twenty-five.
0: Russ, you are closer. It is thirty one, no. but that could not save you from winning the game. Aaron, you won you were one point ahead of Russ. So. Oh. And we oh. can't have an even number because otherwise you guys are probably just tie. And we have to control. go out. Of-
3: so there you go.
0: <laughs> All right, did
1: it.
3: <laughs> well, that was a good yeah, game.
1: coming up next week. I'm, I'm, the week, the week when you get games again, right? So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh Well, good. Good game. Abe. That was fun. That was, that was good. Uh, let's move on now. Let's get to out now. What's so out now? These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week, and we got a lot here. uh First up, Baby Driver. I see it. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Um, The Beguiled, the Sofia Coppola film. Heard that it's good. It is, it's quite good. Uh, Wish Upon.
0: Uh, no, don't see it.
1: Not one that I've been hearing good things about. (laughs) Um, The House. This is that Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler movie
2: that came out for like. Uh, I heard... heard Oh, the one they fired Lindsay Lohan off of? (laughs) Was she fired off that movie? Was she really she was supposed to show up or something like that. And there's like, yeah, big controversy. She would show up on time or so. That sounds about right.
0: Well, the movie didn't do that well.
1: Yeah, the, I you know, it's like, it got bad, but it, it got the kind of views where it's like, it's not a good movie, but it has a lot of funny people doing funny things. Yeah. So, like, I am curious, and I think I'm getting the Blu-ray to review, so I am curious to, like, see, just because, I mean, it's a lot of funny people that I like, you know, movie. Right, okay. Yeah,
0: Jason Mendoza, Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler. And especially,
1: like, At Home. That seems like an easy movie. That seems like a movie designed to watch, like, At Home and just kind of chuckle at, as opposed to, like, yeah. going to the theater. Anyway. We'll tell us how it is. Yeah, I will. I'll report back next time. <laughs> uh, the Leftovers, season three, the final season.
0: Uh, I've heard good things about that show.
1: Really good show. Really great final season. Rusty, you still just Rusty do you the did you watch the final season? Or do you watch? I did.
2: I did. I was satisfied. Very satisfied with the ending.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thoreau. Yeah. Uh, Thoreau. Thoreau's good at it. So is um the the Carrie Coon. Carrie Coon, the co-actress. Okay. Yeah. They're among others. Uh, but... Christopher Eccleston always is. Oh yeah, he's great. He plays like the guy like the worst look on that show. (laughs) It's it's pretty good to watch.
2: And Marco Quali shows up for like one episode. Like,
1: oh, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. was in the Nice Guys last year as well?
2: Uh, I guess she was filming uh, Death Note. Death Note. Yeah,
1: Hmm. it really paid off. Um, Yeah, Uh, the Lure This is a This is a Criterion this week. Also, Othello. Uh, Orson Welles' Othello comes out on Criterion this week as well. Uh, From Scream Factory, The Poughkeepsie Tapes. If you want to feel really uncomfortable watching a found footage movie, The Poughkeepsie Tapes is now available. um, Yes. Um, Open Water 3, Cage Dive. This is a third one? I really just wanted to say that title out loud because it made (laughs) me smile. (laughs) That's why I brought it up. (laughs) Dream Girls Extended Edition. Mm, Uh, If you're a fan of Dream Girls and you want to see the Extended Edition of that movie, it's now out on Blu-ray. Um, A Fish Called Wanda got a whole new, um, release from Arrow, a whole new, like, new transfer and everything, so it probably looks the best it's ever looked, and it's also just a hilarious movie, so. It is. If you want to check out A Fish Called Wanda, you can do that again. Uh, Amoros Peros makes its Blu-ray debut. The I've heard good tale. things. That's a fantastic and very dark tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody Allen's first directed movie, Take the Money and Run, is out on Blu-ray for the first time. Sure. If you like old school Woody Allen, where it's just a lot of farce, um, there's some good moments in that one for sure. Also, I think you brought this one up before Abe. The Flamingo Kid is
0: on Blu-ray this week.
2: Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic Matt Dillon. I,
0: I think I brought that up like episode three hundred or one hundred and something some odd. You brought it up pretty recently. That's why that's why it stuck <laughs> out to me. Yeah.
2: Isn't it Paulina Poroskova? isn't that isn't that Wayne Gretzky's wife in she?
1: I believe so.
2: Isn't she the love interest?
1: I believe I believe Perhaps, so. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street 70th Anniversary Edition on Blu-ray uh week. Sure. And uh, lastly, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles 30th Anniversary Blu-ray goes out this week.
0: That's a good. uh Is that a Thanksgiving movie?
1: Yeah, it's a Thanksgiving movie.
0: Yeah, it's a good Thanksgiving movie. It's like
1: one of the few official Thanksgiving movies, as opposed to my mm-hmm. unofficial Thanksgiving movies. Uh, but yeah, that's not. I was with that now. Let's go on to extremely cool. Uh, these are things that are coming out on Netflix or Amazon this week. And I want to point out three documentaries. Uh, okay. First, is called one's called The Long Shot. Abe, do you know this?
0: I don't.
1: So I, I hesitate to say what exactly is going on in this. Is week. it a sports documentary? It, kind of. Um, it's okay. not really, actually. Uh, it just happens to involve a sports game. Um, it's forty minutes. It does not take long to watch, Ooh. and it's about a person that was wrongly convicted of murder, and the most unlikeliest of reasons as to how he got off is explored in this film. And I'll just say mm. it's it's very much wor- I like I so want to tell you. Am who- I going to be
0: mad when I see? This no, you're song, not. No, it's going to be awesome.
1: Kay. You're going to watch it and be like that's awesome that this is how this person got cleared of the charges. Okay, you, you, right. you know that in advance. You know that this guy got off. Uh, okay. So, but right. so it has a That's happy not a ending.
0: spoiler. Okay. It, yeah, it has right. a
1: happy ending. But the reason why I think is fascinating, and so I just say watch the long shot on Netflix. It's so worth your time.
0: All right. Uh,
1: it's only and it's only forty minutes. Like it's not even that long.
3: Okay.
1: um Let's see. Also, what else is here? Uh, so, uh, the death and life of Marsha P. Johnson. Um, it's a person involved in the Stonewall. Um, back oh, okay. in the eighties, and the Skyjacker's yeah. Tale, which I forgot the exact reasons why I put this, but it's, it's something involving like a real life. Um, uh, like midair heist that happened, uh, but it's a documentary that goes over this. Not involving Bane. Not involving Bane or the cast of Cliffhanger. Uh, so <laughs> it's um... Leon. <laughs> yeah, Leon. Leon. Ana and I at Scooter just watched Cliffhanger a few weeks ago. Actually, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> John Lithgow is a pretty good uh, villain. But yeah, as opposed to movies, you know, there's plenty of movies and TV shows on Netflix or whatnot. I, I want to put out these uh, documentaries that are out there because yeah, they're
0: I cool. love documentaries. I, I watched the Long Shot, and
1: that's a good one for sure.
0: But also, you know, they have other ones. Well, you watched a, You watched? Did you watch a documentary? Oh, yeah, because oh, well. yeah, they,
1: they, we haven't been on. We have 300 other uh, American Vandal is also on Netflix, yeah. which is a yes, it is a the, trailer is hilarious. It's
0: in the style
1: of like making a murderer or serial like these kind of true crime things that have become popular. And it's very good. <laughs> American yeah, Vandal. It's 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 funny. It's eight episodes. They're all like about a, half, a little over half an hour. It's funny but also it's the mystery is quite compelling like I was less <laughs> like by the end of it I was less concerned with the kind
0: actually of sh- vandalized well like it's cuz it's a bunch
1: but of it's dick fake, jokes.
2: too. Right. Yeah, it's like, fake. It's, it's not, completely,
1: it's not it's real. Really. Like it it's not real. But it's a bunch of dick jokes. But at the same time, <laughs> it kind of it, it somehow elevates the material beyond just that humor to get into. Like, I actually want to know w- what happened here and the kind of message it's going through is kind of poignant. By you get when you get I'm telling you, hey, when you watch this, you'll get back watch to me this, because I and do. We'll think,
0: have to like a no, no, nights
1: Because it, it, it's like that was actually like it was a really interesting story to see unfold. And I think there's some good acting in it, too. So it's, 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 it was impressive. Again,
0: the trailer, when I was watching it, I wasn't sure if it was real or fake. I had no context. Well, I it, just watched it. I, I was mean, like, yeah, this is amazing. It's certainly fake, but it, it commits to the bit. That's for sure. Yeah. So. That, that's what I love most about things that are fake, when they commit to it. Like, yeah. you know, that's why we love the FP.
1: Well, that are like like Lonely Island stuff, where it's something I like about the Lonely Island. Beyond just the lyricism. I think the they have an eye for detail that you can see in Pop Star or their music videos, like I'm on a boat or whatnot. Where it's like it's they very much know what they're parodying, and it works well to you know and to further to go into that genre as opposed to just making fun of it, which it is, but it has a clever way of doing it. Anyway, <laughs> The American Vampire yeah. Vandals also on Netflix. Cool. <laughs> Let's uh, next week's show next week. Um we we have a couple things. We have The Foreigner and we have Happy Death Day, which are both getting wide releases and I can't I don't know how to weigh which one needs to be talked about more than the other. So I think we'll probably just have like a double episode or whatnot. But Abe, I don't think you're going to be around next week.
0: to be on. I'm going to be out of the I'm going to be out of town for uh, for work, but uh yeah, I, I'll I'll be listening in. Okay. I mean, I
1: can tell you what I thought of The Foreigner right now, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait and wait. So because <laughs> I've seen it already, <laughs> but it's <laughs> but I am curious about Happy Death Day quite a bit too. So uh yeah let's do the last thing here which is what should people go and see now and what do you plan to see next russell what should people see in theaters right now
2: um i i would say Bloodrunner runner 2049 yeah i mean there's not really a whole lot else out there the only other thing i would say and this is something i haven't seen yet but i i still want to see is kingsman the golden circle Oh yeah. um
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's fun so
2: well, it's, it's,
0: it's all, all right. right i have fun
1: <laughs> what do you what do you plan to see next
2: uh probably the next thing I'll probably see is probably Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, Thor. Uh nice. I, I,
1: let's face it, it's Thor.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything else uh between now and then coming out that's really uh pulling me to go see.
0: Abe. Uh definitely recommend Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And what I'm seeing next, I, I want to watch uh the Florida Project and I also want to catch the Jake Gyllenhaal movie uh that he just made. A uh, strong is it, yeah, stronger, because yeah, I've heard out. good things about it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to catch up on some of the smaller films, I guess.
1: Yeah, The Florida Project is definitely one I need to get on as soon as I can, because that, that trailer is, like, one of my favorite short films of the year. It's such a good I know, trailer, yeah, that trailer is Defoe fantastic. Willem Dafoe being non-creepy in a movie. It's like, that's nice. Right. Um, But, yeah, uh, I would yeah. if you want to see something in theaters that's in wide release, go see Blade Runner. If you want to see something else that's in wide release, go see Mother, because I cannot keep saying this enough. No, nope, don't, don't, don't see Mother. fantastic. I see it. Waste of your Ghost time. Mother. Not a waste of your time at all. It's fantastic. <laughs> watch know. on your watch on your 4K TV. Do not do that. See it in theaters, because then more <laughs> movies, the studios make more movies like it. <laughs>
3: um,
1: the next thing I'm seeing is Last Flag Flying, the new Richard Linklater movie, actually, which I'm very excited about. Oh, nice. About. Um, as well as Happy Death Day. So I'm okay. looking forward to I'm, For various reasons, I'm looking forward to both of those movies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Under Name. You can find more of my work in my personal blog, DakotaZeke.com. All my written movie reviews are over there. Also, actually, I should—I haven't mentioned this out loud yet. Um, I'm writing at another site uh, now called uh, We Live Entertainment. That's a site that front of the mm. show, Scott Menzel, uh, runs. And so I've been contributing reviews and other work over there. So, yeah, feel free to check out that site as well, We Live Entertainment. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Aaron's PS4.
0: A farmer more fun stuff over uh, Instagram, Oakley Doakley, twitter.com slash Wallace Hashtag San Diego is a dump. Hashtag Blade Runner 2049. Uh, also, sports podcast, Sub 640 with uh, my buddy Matt and I. And uh, you can listen to us uh, everywhere. You, like, I've been waiting for you for
1: weeks to mention this other podcast. <laughs> you just rushed we right We it in it. secret. Making sure that it's, it's fi- uh, that we're, finally out. We're <laughs> yeah, yeah, Russell the mentions. ship here. Yeah. Um, Russ, we're, we're going to be able to find more of your work online.
2: Uh, go to HHWLOD.com com and stay on the lookout uh, Johnny M and I have got, got something in the works cooking uh, we've been I haven't announced this anywhere uh, prior oh, and exclusive. I haven't talked to John exclusive. Yeah, it's exclusive <laughs> I haven't talked to John about this but but oh well I'm gonna do it anyway um, we're working on a 4k uh, podcast oh, so so we talk about, uh, you know, UHD releases and, uh, you know, some of the hardware and equipment and news related to to the 4K scene. Um, so we've got some we've got some ideas down. We're just waiting to do it. And that's probably going to be a YouTube show.
3: Um,
2: so, yeah, because we want to incorporate some you know pictures and uh, screenshots and things like that. So.
3: Awesome.
1: i got I to hook you up with Brandon Peters around the show because he does plenty of reviews for So Blue with 4K. Um,
3: and nice. but uh, Yeah.
1: But no, that sounds awesome. Um, you can find more of the other episodes out now over on iTunes as well as on Audioboom.
0: Hear us over at Russell's Network, HHWLOD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic.
1: Feel free to email us any thoughts you may have had on Blade Runner 2049 or anything else we discussed this week over at Podcast at gmail.com.
0: You can write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash Podcast or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash Now underscore podcast. And of course, send
1: us plenty of clown gifts to Abe over at OutNowPodcasts. Maybe that's what that
0: clown was for the feedback.
1: <laughs> it might be. I hope. I so hope that is. Re- respond to us. Tell me that that. Cl- yeah, Joe, Joe. Joe. Tell me that that clown gift was response to Abe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, hashtag Send Abe Clowns. Uh, Russell Anthem, thank you very much for joining Thanks us. Thank you, Russell. Evening. Thanks for having me, guys. and thanks again to Dr. Ali but too for joining us as well
3: thanks Dr. Uh, Ali
1: glad to have you both on to discuss Blade Runner I feel like we went plenty in depth on the film without actually spoiling too much about it you did a really Uh, good job yeah so with all that said that's gonna do it for this week's episode Um, and we'll see what happens with Jackie Chan and Groundhog Day horror movie next week but until then so long and goodbye
0: ed nine or something i
3: don't
0: kills think he kills, uh ed 209 no, does yeah ed No, 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 no not ed let's other. put it
1: let's put it this way there's a little kid he's a crime boss and he gets shot up horribly in that
0: yeah. movie yeah it's yeah yeah from the sandline yeah
1: it is yeah yeah from the sandline
0: right <laughs> i like how you named him a crime boss he is he's like a little just mob boss because he wears a suit but he is a little mob boss like it's... <laughs>